We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here, the old man Andres Hale, producer Cole, baby, in the building. Before we do the festival of friendship later on today, Jack- thank you guys for throwing for me. That's oh, so man. nice of you. It's only right. Not. I mean, I, I just, I've just been thinking about it all day and wondering what you guys got planned. I can't wait. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't wait either. Yeah. It's a tribute to Lou, to you. It is a list mm. of your accomplishments. Wow. The, li- the list of producer Cole Bay Bay? Hey, you know, wow. just, just for you. So it's, it's going to be and you very know what? fun. You deserve it. Oh, wow. Oh, this is the, wow. <laughs> I, 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 this, is, this is more than I ever could have dreamed. I can't believe this festival after this. I, this was it? Putting you over. Wow. I can't believe it. It's you know. time. Wow. I so. mean, let me tell you. The, the, the rain, I mean, I don't know what you guys would be without me. That's all I'm going to say. You know? <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, everyone can watch it on YouTube. The last hurrah, producer yeah. Cole Bay Bay. I'm just but so- first... You know what? I was like, we got to talk pro wrestling. Yeah, we do. Before, because we were actually, for everyone who doesn't know, later on in a week, in the weekend, Blue Wire Studios is taking a little break for a second, a reset. Uh, everyone's been going crazy in here. So let's give the people behind the glass a nice little reset, some time off. So we are just going to run Sean Ross Sapp episode, start the week. Amazing interview we had with him um, during Money in the Bank week. Yeah, good timing too because of the Bill Body shit with Sean and oh, oh my gosh, all the madness that was the that was the talk of the wedding by the <laughs> way because it happened the same weekend as all that and just all of us being like so so when Sean gets here this is all we're talking about right <laughs> uh, yeah that was that was quite the quite the experience seeing that from far like all the pictures started coming out right as we were like all got together it was so much fun Sean is about that life he talks about dealing with. The, the internet trolls and everything. and The classic and the case of fuck around and find out. Yeah, that's what that was. Listen, he, he, he ain't just a keyboard warrior. So shout out to Sean. Sean Ross <laughs> talking his shit. So uh, we're going to let you guys listen to that amazing interview here in a little while. But we had to start with WWE just because we talked about it a little bit last week. First week of Triple H. We were on the second week of Hunter in charge. First time in probably two and a half years where I watched Raw live 
back to back weeks. Very good. Yeah. Like, I mean, because we used to do the weekly show and I would watch it on Hulu for a second. But before then, I would try to do it like live. But with commercials and shit, like commercials are just now the bane of my existence. But with five TVs, I get through it. Now, though, I can watch live. I'm, I'm engaged. I mean, look, I said there's reason to be optimistic. I didn't know Vince was going to be calling the shots in the unmarked van, but it surely doesn't seem like it. Gorilla 2 does not seem to exist. No, they, they are. There's actual pro wrestling on these shows. Yeah. Like we had last week, we had the AJ Styles, Mustafa Ali, that wild finish in that triple threat. Oh, amazing. Right? So this week, uh, they, I mean, the, things make sense. And things mean something, too. The United States Championship has now had two weeks of, like, video packages to it, promos being cut about it. So where these titles have been completely non-existent for essentially, I mean, uh, this, but in particular, the five years, but in particular, the past, like, seven, eight months. I mean, that we weren't even being defended. WrestleMania, they weren't being defended. SummerSlam, I don't think either. um, The US title got got, uh, defended on on, on SummerSlam. Um, And I guess, like, you know, like the the Intercontinental title has been like a part of the SmackDown show, but also SmackDown as a show has been uh, not not entertaining viewing. It's been Roman and no one else. If Roman's there. Yeah. So if there's no Roman, then there's not then there's maximum male models. But listen, last week, yeah, we got Nakamura face off with Walter, or Gunther. Walter, he, I mean, <laughs> he he might be Gunther now because he looks completely different. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's still Walter. I he's mean, Walter's he, little brother. He's, he's still All Walter caps. to me. Damn it! <laughs> All caps like MF Doom. But <laughs> that's gonna be one hell of an IC title match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Hunter sees his guys and he's like. Can't be floundering like this. Nah. He's Nakamura back up. Dude. Ciampa came out in the Harley Race gear. Would have never happened to Vince Watch. Why? Because Harley Race was such a small part of the WWF. Yeah. Like, Harley Race cut his teeth elsewhere. And Vince never likes people doing shit elsewhere. Right? But we just watched it. We're watching a show that is basically Triple H saying, those are my guys. Karrion Cross came back. Like, in a prime spot. Let, like, let's just talk about that for a minute. Cross came. He turned him into a fucking gimp. Yeah. Stripped him of his, of his girl. Yeah, yeah, gave him red dominatrix gear. Happened Not even black. Jeff Hardy when he, as soon as he arrives, he loses to Jeff Hardy. Yeah. He got buried. And then people was like, I don't get what I see. And I remember we did this show when he first got signed. I was like, you got to do really bad to fuck that one up. Yeah. And people act like Cross isn't good. Look, I get it. Some people don't like to see the creature on narrative nonsense that he was involved in. But if you, when you look at him, he is like the total package. He can wrestle. He's not a technician. He can wrestle. No, he can work. He's a sports entertainer. Entertainer. He's got Scarlet. I mean, the package is the in- can't miss. They got rid of the music. Like, like the whole <laughs> entrance. They just turned him into a gimp. Yeah. The, gimp the entrance is picture. back, baby. But he the comes out. Back. He comes out and he wrecks Drew McIntyre, which I thought was great. A great way to close SmackDown. And they immediately put him in where he's supposed to be. Like, it's, it's funny watching people on Twitter. It's like, oh, now you guys like WWE. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've said it, though. I don't, I don't root against them. When it sucks, it sucks. Yep. But now it's good. So, of course, I'm going to say it's good. Like, if I'm watching a TV show and it sucks, I'm not going to say it's great just because I like the TV show. I'm going to say this season sucked. Yeah. Now you figured it out. So, it feels like they're on the right path. And if you're somebody like Johnny Gargano sitting at home, you're like, hmm. 
They're giving Johnny Gargano a lot to think about. They are. They're giving him a lot. I mean, with the big pushes for Ciampa, I, and I don't know if you guys caught it. Last Several time. DIY teases. I was going to say, you do Corey, it yourself. Corey Graves was like, sometimes you got to do it yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Obviously, the 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 Loomis run in yeah. is is there. So Champa hit the DDT like between the ropes, which is Johnny theory theory has been interestingly absent from TV for family, the last uh, family issue. Okay, well, and and and, and probably and honestly, like his character needed it too. It oh yeah, from, good. A, from a character, there good needs little. to be a repackaging of theory. Yeah. But like, all of a sudden, I, I want to keep the same gimmick, now. but you just need to like chill it, out a bit. Well, Hunter would have never said, "I like that selfie shit." He's like, "Get that shit out." Yeah, no, I mean, he likes it with Tyler Breeze, but it's different. Tyler Breeze, like his character, that was yeah. his thing. Like, I think Triple H looked at Theory and was like, "I'm sure, like, you sit at home and you watch your guys go somewhere." Again, it's like if I got a pitcher in the minor leagues and he's all of a sudden playing first base, I'm like, "Fuck, are you doing?" Yeah. He's not being, he's not in the right position. Like, Theory's a great talent, but you pushed him the wrong way, throwing him in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Having him lose all these matches, it's just not fun to watch. Yeah. Him staying at home is probably Triple H's like, stay at home a little longer. Let me figure yeah. this shit out. Because mm-hmm. you're they done fucked you up. Yeah. Right? We're gonna get you right. Now you got Dakota Kai and Eo Sky, even though Corey Graves cannot stop saying Eo Shirai on, at on all. television. Oops. Well, Bailey got caught saying said it too. Dakota Sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and then me. the crowd, but she flipped it perfect. Because it's Bailey. Bailey's great. Yeah. But everything is starting to make sense, and it's like this is good television. Hey, we had a we had a story get told throughout the three hours of programming with the car and it yep. crashed the security, and yep. we had dare I say, does three hours count as long term book? Long term booking, <laughs> the bar is low. Um, I mean, you know, I think it's something that's important to mention here, especially things being about the bar, is that um, I think we're all just really happy that this is like. This the tel- the, tel- the television is presentable, it's yes. it's decent. Yeah, and there's definitely going to be a lot of people on Twitter who are going to be like, "Oh man, it's back! It's the greatest thing ever! WWE's back on top!" And it's like, no, 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 no. That we are still very much in the cleanup process yeah. of all of this, and this is going to, you know, like the bar was incredibly low. Is it good that they're surpassing this bar? Absolutely. But let's not run home and go, okay, these are the greatest Raws of all time that we're seeing right now. No, we're just we're getting back into form and, That's and, and we're seeing the pieces develop. I mean, we've had, I, I would say debuts, but I guess they're re-debuts yep. pretty much in every episode of the trips post SummerSlam era. Kevin Owens is back. Like real Kevin oh, Owens. Oh man, that was great. That, that was, Tris is just like, this Ezekiel shit's dumb. Just kill him. <laughs> yeah, just, just kill him. Said. Just like, again, you're at home and you're like, what are you doing with my guy? Yep. Owens was a killer. Always has been a killer. Now he's, Humorous and he's funny, but that's the part Vince pulls out. I want to yeah. be funny. No, he's like ROH Kevin Steen was a murderer. Yep. You bring that guy back? I mean, I, I have no idea what the long term plan is. I'm still like, yo, team him with Zayn and have it, him go out the bloodline. It's line. gotta be. Zayn might be going babyface again, though, because on Friday, the bloodline's dogging him again and prove yourself. And all. It looks like Trips are going to separate that. Well, here's Nothing's better than babyface Zayn. Is Roman really a heel? I mean, he's the, cool as fuck. He, he's, he's stuck, and it's not in a bad way because the crowd is just behind all this shit. Yeah. Like, we're the ones. They pop for everything. Yeah. He's in the territory I think fans were trying to put him in in the first place. Yeah. Like, when when he was, when when it was babyface Roman and it was, uh, what, what did he say? Believe that. Yeah. It used to be his thing. Like, Believe that. Like, no one, no one was, no one was like, 
eating that. They were booing him. Yeah. Yeah. He was being booed as a natural baby face. As soon as he like was able to just be like, he he brought just the coolness factor. He became cool. It's it's not that he needed to be a good or a bad guy. He just needed to be cool. Yep. And he needed to have something to, to an edge. He needed an edge that was natural, right? It wasn't, it wasn't this like force, like, well, ah, you're making fun of me. I'm going to beat you up. And like, he was always going from the peg down. I think a lot, a lot had to do with that, with his development, his first, his first kind of feud yep. with Cena and them going back and forth and Cena just absolutely roasting this dude alive on the mic. And then Cena comes back and he runs into acknowledge me, Roman Reigns. And it's a whoop. We all of a sudden see a yeah. way more like level playing field. So Still a heel though. He like, in the traditional sense, if, yes. If you have just the right, so over. Yeah, if you have the right baby face, they're gonna boo him out the building. Maybe. He he's still that they level. They won't boo him at the garden, they won't boo him in Chicago. If you put Cody in both of those places against Roman, they're gonna boo him. Are you sure about that? 100 mm. percent um, No, I'm not sure about he's that. He's gonna get booed at Clash at the Castle. Oh, yeah, because that's Drew Mac. Because Drew Drew's going home. The, like, Cody, the Cody thing is tricky. Cody's over, right? But let's not act like the crowd doesn't pop for Roman. No, they do. And they're not going to... Look, Roman's way cooler than Cody. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. So, if you, again, if you put that match in the garden, they're not booing. Roman. Here's an interesting question about Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. I mean, so Cody Rhodes comes back at WrestleMania, right? This is still... Like the this this tail end of the Vince era, which is clearly, as we've seen in these past couple of weeks, was a completely different idea of what wrestling was, yeah, right? Yeah. Or what I should say, wrestling programming was, because saying wrestling was there wasn't a whole lot of. You can say belts now. You can say belt, yeah. So here's my thing: with trips being in charge, I feel like the fans that are now tuning back into WWE are more of a wrestling crowd. This is the crowd that last time we checked, if we go to the other brand over on Wednesday nights, Cody Rhodes was getting booed and not liked yeah. at all. People were sick and tired of Cody Rhodes. Yep. You, so are we going to see some of that trickle? Not when Cody, when Cody Rhodes comes back, there's going to be a massive pop. Yeah. But when it does come to a Roman versus Cody feud, exactly. when is that crowd going to start going like, well, wait a second. We actually really like Roman and Cody's kind of like, we remember the corny bullshit that was if, happening over if there. If we're talking crowds, like mm. maybe on Twitter, we see that. Yeah. Because we're in like a wrestling Twitter. Like it's a bunch of smarks. It's people our age, stupid shit. Crazy ass stands. WWE crowds, mm-hmm. in terms of like paying money, are still a lot of like kids. Sure. And families. Like the AEW crowd and WWE crowd couldn't be any more different. Like yeah. AEW crowd is a bunch of bros couple chicks sprinkled in and then like people who just left their basement for the first time in like a decade. I think, I think, well, I think with the, the, the exception of a, uh, like a big pay-per-view, cause that's when they get the international crowd and the international crowd is the one that's what they're, they're watching everything. Maybe. They're but again, everyone, hardcore. yeah, everyone's hardcore smarts. Like WWE crowd is never going to be all that. Like uh sure. NXT crowds were as much as you could get of that probably, but even on big NXT weekends, by the time you got to the WWE event that weekend, there was a ton of family people in the crowd. Yeah. So, like, you're, it's a whole different thing. Like, they're still a little less jaded. You could still feed them, like, normal heel babyface rhetoric. Sure. And, and really sell that over. 
Um, so I think they'll be fine with the stories they tell. Roman cheats enough to get booed. Um, you sure about here? here the problem is that, that motherfucker looks incredible. All the women love him. That's yeah, like fine. all the adult men is like, yo, this guy's a badass. We're gonna root for him. And then now you're just relying on children. And half the children are like, you know what? This guy's pretty fucking and cool on to- too. And on and on top of that, it's not just Roman. The Usos are way over too. Oh, super over. Because well, well, look, look, John Cena was over right with kids. We still said Cena sucks in the crowd. Yeah. And it was very overpowering. Very. So in the case of Cody, it's going to be complicated because when you see Roman come back and you see him face off with Cody, some people are going to be like, mm, I don't know. Here's the other thing. Might got to turn him in like six months after he wins. I mean, I'm going to pop because I want to see that. Yeah, I'm going to pop too. But but here's, here's the indicator. What did they do to Liv Morgan on SmackDown? Oh, yeah. They booed oh, her out the fucking They building. nuked her. And that was just... That was brutal. And that and obviously that was because of bad booking, right? Correct. Yeah. It, but But... And they were, we talked about it here when it happened. Yeah, they blew with Cheap it. Heat. Like, yo, they put her between a rock and a bigger rock. And then on, and like, on top of that, the heel, was, the heel was right. Yeah, exactly. It never <laughs> works the, 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 heel, the heel was right. The heel was literally Hannibal Burris and Eric Andre show going, why are you booing me? I'm right. Like. Yeah. He was right. Like, I mean, she was right. She it's, was, it's ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous, that booking decision. You tapped out. Yeah. Before the three count. And Liv was like, shit. <laughs> so like you're right and, can't say shit to that yeah and 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 i and even like i wonder still like if that was maybe it wasn't booked that way maybe there was just a mistake i don't know well i think it was booked that way i do think that Liv probably tapped too soon that's in that count yeah right? she tapped too soon so it was very obvious she she tapped before three mm. usually that's supposed to happen at the same time yeah. and then rev didn't see it and then ronda's like inexplicably mad and you'd be like oh she's a dick and then you can side with you can side with Liv. In this case, Liv tapped way before the three count. Everybody saw it. And I feel bad for her, but you got to get the belt off of her. Well, that, that's the thing is. And I, let her work it, her way back up. Is we, we talked about it after, the, after SummerSlam, too, being like, how do you build back Liv Morgan up? Well, she needs like a heel who she can compete with. Uh, Shayna Baszler ain't it. They ain't the one. <laughs> no, you pick Shayna Baszler to take that belt. It, like, you look at Shayna. Yeah, Shayna might like, have to get that up off her. Yeah. So we see all the clips of her putting her shoulder back into place. Like you don't fuck with Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Especially when Trips is around the show. They there have <laughs> been a lot of casualties of booking and now it's like the place gotta clean all this shit up. It's like this is a lot to clean up, man. They also need some more women on that side of things. Raw yeah. is rocking and stacked with the women. Yeah. It's three mean, hours and they're carrying. SmackDown is solid because you still have Zia Lee, you still have Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah. Yes. You need to do something with her because she's got zero personalities of baby. Now they're all in the tag team tournament. Yeah. And I and I like the tag team tournament. Yeah. Obviously, Hunter plays smart. It's like those two NXT people in there. Yeah. I think he threw the wrong NXT people in there. I agree. Um, but at least they're there because he obviously he likes Nikita Lions, right? Not sure if he does. She just got the biggest buzz of anyone in NXT. But he likes her. She has a match and they have like five social clips. Trust me. Hunter Hearst Helmsley likes Nikita Lions. Sure. Not just because of how she looks. She can't wrestle. <laughs> the MAGA shit. Like it's, it's all. She can't right wrestle. Alley. She can't. But he likes it. So he pairs it with Zoe Stark just to get exposure to the NXT brand. Yes. Right? They're going to lose. They're and that's lose. the key. People will be talking about her because she's thick as fuck. She's on trend. 
Yeah. People who've never seen her before do yeah. the splits and see her cheeks all out. It's a marketing like, it's, stunt. It's going to be it, like, but he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like he's yeah. trying to bring attention. If he to wanted the best match, he would have brought Gigi Dolan and of course and that's what I was going to say. What, 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 like yeah. he would have brought that crew into the, the tag tournament. With that but is, they probably can't lose because they're exactly. champions. You don't want them to no, lose. You can't bring them in. Yeah. You got to bring in somebody else. But the idea is, you've never heard NXT reference this much no. on Raw or SmackDown until now. Yeah. Like Triple H is basically saying, "All right, I need to bring attention to this brand." Pull them in. I can put these two in there, and they can lose because they're not really a team. Yeah, Zoe Stark won't. She won't eat the pin. Maybe she will. She I will. doubt it. Zoe? Yeah, over Nikita. You think she'll eat the pin? Mm-hmm. Is it? Zoe's in yeah. the title match. Right Listen, I think yeah, it's like she's going to work Mandy, so they're not yeah. going to have her lose it. Blame it on Nikita. Maybe okay. you turn Nikita heel. I don't know, but That'd the whole point move. is you're putting an emphasis on NXT that you didn't have before. Yeah, it's use that to build the NXT feud after. Yeah, because I think Mandy's dropping that belt, and that whole crew is coming. Well, up. I, like, I just wonder if like I wouldn't mind Mandy coming right up and getting the belt off of Liv, because like that heel character and that group and that dynamic is money. I don't know about all that, but I like Tony. I think they're really. Good. I do too, but I, I like them. In that, and Mandy I, I, has main roster experience. She ain't like. I just wonder so if Triple H is like looking, and he's like, "What have they done?" Like when he goes to NXT, he's like, "What the fuck is this?" Ron Breaker is not a babyface. He should be a heel. Yeah. Eh. He should be a heel because... Could have been a babyface. They fucked it up. Let's keep talk it all his freaks out there. This babyface championship run is already stale. No, it's done. It's, it's not, it's not nah, great. Nah, somebody to come get that belt off him. You give that man a heel persona, it's much better. Yeah. There's a lot that he can fix. And you, you got to call Sean and be like, hey, Sean, know your eyes doing? crooked. You can't see straight sometimes. You got to fix this shit. Don't I'm do sorry. this to my man. It is. Your goat can barely walk. Hey, hey, Sean, do you have any... Chainmail hanging around. You want to oh, no, just, yeah, you you gotta, just toss that, toss that bronze way. See what he says. I mean, who are you going to give belt to? The Joey Casey guy? No, you. I mean, there's. I actually like his gimmick. Joe Casey's not like I don't know. I what don't know his fucking uh, name, but I like his gimmick. I mean, they they did a match with Grimes already. Grimes is pop. Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes got to be Carmelo that Hayes has got to be on the main roster. No, you don't move him up. You to know who the guy is? It's Solo Sokoa. Let's go. And it's just Samoans holding all the belts everywhere. Not with me. Right. Motherfucker can work. That's all I'm saying. No, he can, he can work. work. And you, I feel like you need to repackage Steiner. Yeah. Like you, it, like the promo's like suck. a tweener. The, the promos haven't been great. Like, he looks the part, but it's like, again, too soon. Yeah. It's like live too soon. Fortunately, the NXT crowd is a bunch of goofs in that little arena. And I don't they got to get them the fuck out of <laughs> that there. That arena's goofy. Like, we got to go back to Full sale. We got to get those people the hell out of here. Like, I don't know where these people came from. That yeah. crowd is fucking horrible. I think I think going going back to the, the, the tag tournament, which, by the way, when they announced that, it was like, well, this is truly this is truly a, 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 a new era. Um, yeah, I get the marketing stunt. I think I think the thing that that's tough with the tag tournament. And I think this was always going to be the issue with it. Again, they're not being like a whole lot of stabled tag teams in the women's division. Yeah. I mean, you just created, you just created a faction with Bailey, Dakota Kai and EO Sky. And then your other faction is toxic attraction. That's, that is, that is yeah. kind of the other one that you got. Um, and then you had the Oscar one naturally. And then you've kind of made, you've made one up with Oscar and Alexa Bliss. I think the problem is like, we clearly know where that belt's going. It's going to be Alexa Bliss, Oscar versus yeah, yeah. Eos guy. This Dakota is a guy. 
good way to get there. And it gives you matches, yeah. actual wrestling. Yeah. Fresh I think, matchups I think, I think during a wrestling There, there could have been room for like toxic attraction to be in a semifinal and for them to like get a, yeah. like get a match where you think like, Oh, they're going to like break through. And like, maybe that ends up being a, like a, a good breakthrough for them. But I also get the, the like putting Nikita Lyons on main WWE television. It, say whatever you want about her. It's a no brainer. Yeah. As far as marketing goes. Hey man, you got to work with what you got. All right. She She's got a lot. Not a lot. She, she, she got a lot. Um, so, uh, let's go through just some moments real quick. Mm. Just pick your brain on a couple things. Angelo Dawkins gets to take his shirt off. He looks great. Man, lose some weight. That's all you ain't saying. He's like, yeah, I ain't going to be Montez Ward, bitch. I'm going to take off this shirt. You can that, see this. That, that is the thing. That I mean, I, he ain't like super ripped, but he holding us down. That, that is <laughs> the, one, the, the one thing that was trending upwards, even in, in still the tail end of the McMahon era, were the Street Profits potentially yeah. going solo and having a rise. I hope that's still in the plans right. because they're both absolute stu- superstars. I think it actually I, happens faster now. It might. Yeah. I mean, Maybe. putting a match with Rollins right yeah. off the bat. That's that's good. That's a good smart. Um, after that. We talked about Kevin Owens, Finn Balor beating Rey Mysterio. Finn Balor. But mostly, no, it was a good match. It was a good match. I'm your poppy. Oh, oh. <laughs> but Dominic we're, Mysterio. We're moving towards the Dominic heel turn. Finally. He pushed Edge? Yo. Like, Ooh, you pushed Edge. And you know what? Conspiracy theory brain. Rhea Ripley didn't beat the shit out of him. He acted like she did to you, sabotage man. his father. But what if she did? Because then I mean, she then can great. kick his ass. She's been, she's been beating his ass every week. Every single that week. That shit's amazing, by the way. Rhea just like lo- looks like a million bucks doing that shit. She carried him like he was a little girl. Like just on the show. Like she didn't struggle. She didn't, but she carried him she, from back the behind the curtain. She, she, she tweeted. She Ow. was like, y'all wish you were dumb. And it was like, God damn. That's, <laughs> that is some good shit. Like the, the, they need to, whenever the superstar shakeup happens, move her to SmackDown. Move Judgment Day to SmackDown. Oh, okay. I was like, just by herself? No, no, no. Move them all to SmackDown because Rhea needs to be a champion. Rhea needs to be a champion. 100%. Need, like, if you want somebody to, like, because if you put Rhea on SmackDown, the possibilities are her working Shayna, her working Ronda. She's got a, her, she's got a revenge match with Charlotte. There's everything is there. Like, Gotta keep her heel, though. Of course. Okay. But she, you just named a bunch of heels. For I her don't her. care. Okay. Work them as a heel. Like, look, I Fuck think, it. I think if we've seen anything, it's like last week, there was a triple threat with three heels in that you and nobody cared. It was just like, oh, this is really good wrestling. Like Roman's a heel, but if Roman works another heel, I don't think anybody will really care. No. I think you can blur the lines a bit. AEW does a good job of that sometimes. Yep. So it's like just let the best wrestle the best. I don't give a shit about babyface or heel. Two weeks in a row of Gable and singles matches. Yeah, because finally somebody's recognized that this little bastard. Because Gable is so weird. He can work. And, and him and Dolph was that was that's a that's a good workers match right there. Yeah. yeah. So it's like here's the funny thing. And we I don't know you have anything left in WWE land? Uh just two more things. Go. So the return of jobbers. Yeah. Almost gets a match against jobbers. Local Last athletes. Friday, Viking Raiders got a match against jobbers. Yeah, jobbers are great. Amazing. I mean we haven't seen them on main WWE AEW television. AEW loves jobbers. Yeah, you got They have serve jobbers. a purpose. Like, I've never understood why you get away from jobbers because nobody cares about them. You take, you eat into television, you showcase somebody. It's a very easy thing to do. Now, get jobbers back. Main event, AJ Styles, Miz, good match, cool. The introduction, Dexter Loomis at the end. Not calling direct attention to someone. They didn't even put the hard cam on him. Nothing. 
But you heard Graves like, is that? Is that? Yep. And then you just see it like out of the corner. Very well done. Very well. And the best. Kevin Owens promo backstage where you see the crash car and other other talent examining. Like, it's great. The best part about it, though, is that if you don't watch NXT, you're very curious who that guy is. Yeah. You're like, who is that? You have to call your friends like, who is that Dexter Lewis guy? Oh, he's in NXT. Like, it piques curiosity. It's not like the most obvious, like, I'm Dexter Loomis. Like, (laughs) now the character's interesting again. When he was dead to rights, as soon as, like, Hunter was gone, and they changed NXT, and they fired him. Like, what the fuck I, I do, do I do wonder uh we're fi- we're filming this uh while NXT is on. I do wonder if uh if they did anything with Indy Hartwell and and had her like on the phone or something like that. Just being like, What? He's back? Like that, just, just do, do a little toss do a yeah. little you know, you're a little tossing here and there, you know. You don't have to call too much attention to it, but something <laughs> subtle. No, I mean I the walk by promos are so good. Yeah. One person cutting a promo, next person walking to the ring, just interaction. Minor interactions backstage. People running into each other. Just like, hey, they, you're they, cutting a promo. Let me just walk into yeah, this Yeah, they did that with, like, they went from Bliss Asuka yep. to Control coming in to security running by to Control walking away to AJ Styles walking to the ring. Yep. Go stuff. to commercial break. It's good stuff. It's like, it was like a little bit, of, they, like someone like had a vision. It was like, I got <laughs> it. I'm going to plan this. There's, there's like, I, I, I like some film stuff. I'm going to do some film stuff here. We're going to do some little walk and talk. Yep. Like, Great. Great. You're not, you're, you're treating, you're treating me as an educated member of the audience. I don't need to be like, Hey, they're going to fight. Did you know that? Because we've promoted this eight times now with graphics. And it's like, no, just, just telling me you don't need a 20 minute in ring promo. Me. Yeah. Yeah. TV show. Yeah. All this say is like looking on Twitter. I'm I'm still watching tribalism shit happens. And I'm like, why aren't y'all just happy? Like WWE is good again. It's watchable. You don't have to pick a side. I just like you don't have to pick. You know, baseball is better than basketball. Shut the fuck oh, up. and then and then the and then the WWE the- stands and their vindication now. They feel vindicated. Are like, just as ignoring. But it's the stands, worse because it's like the fans. It's like the stands. Yo, nobody was rooting against you, right? It's not like <laughs> Cowboys fans. Everybody hates them. Fuck right? the Cowboys. Everybody hates Cowboys fans. <laughs> so if they ever win anything, you still fucking hate them. Yep. But it's like, and they never win. But when like certain teams get to the NBA Finals, like when Phoenix got to the NBA Finals, like everybody was against us. We weren't. Why'd y'all just make this shit up? Yeah, we're just happy you're here now. It's WWE. It's like nobody's rooting against you, and these stands are like, yeah, we're finally back. But you were in hell for like years. We're happy you're back. I wish they would say that. They say, I told you this was good. Yeah, no. Oh, it's a, this was shit four took, weeks ago. What, Vince, the Wall Street Journal tell you you were good? That's, <laughs> like, that's all I got to say. It took Vince sexually harassing women and paying them millions of dollars for your product to get good? For decades. That ain't a good product. You got to get the old man to fuck up out of there. And now it's good again. Why can't y'all just say that? Why you got to keep lying and saying, yo, it was, you know, we told you it was going to get... No. Now y'all love everybody from NXT. Yeah, we fucking loved NXT, by the way. Yes, everybody loved NXT. Everyone loved NXT. Like, there was a there was one point, and we've talked about that, where NXT got a little weird. Yeah, when, when they went, first went to TV. Exactly. But it and, was it, it couldn't be what it was, because yeah. now Vince had his eyes on it. I was like, we got to do this, and I'm going to take your talent every two weeks, and I'm going to fuck them up. And it was like... And you were smart on that from the get-go. You're like, them going to TV isn't going to change necessarily what they do weekly. It's just that Vince is going to have more... Input because it's now a TV product. And, he's like, and well, then he did. I'll take that. Yep. Ooh, he's good. I'll take him. But he's my champion. I don't care. You care. I gotta get the title I'm off. I'm gonna take him and call him Bearcat. Bearcat. 
put, and, him, put him in a mask. Got some good shit. And I hate, and I hate like the people online is like, see, Adam Cole ran from the grind. Y'all motherfuckers act like Adam Cole ain't over in AEW. Over like rope. And you act like he like he's the same wrestler he was then. Damn, the rumors of this person is reach out to Tony Khan to request their release, so Damn. they go back to WWE. Like they're fine. They're getting paid. Yeah. They. They didn't leave WWE as nobody. And also, they signed some long-ass contracts. So oh, yeah, like it's five, seven-year deals. You know, uh, like, unless, like, we're doing some MJF shit, like, those people are going to stick around. And there's good matches and good programs to be had over there and good storyline. Like, all those people are involved. Adam Cole just betrayed the Young Bucks, and the Young yeah. Bucks are going to be the Hung Bucks again. Three kids just cried. Oh, man. Poor yeah, kid. that kid That kid was, was broken hearted. And, and you know what was really weird? People that were upset that Mance Warner works Moxley. Oh my God, that was that was Twitter Sunday. To be fair, I like Mance Warner, but I know who the fuck he is. But but the thing so, is, is like we almost saw him get his arm fucking yeah, cut off in a ladder match. But it's like Mance Warner working Moxley, and then people like mad about it. And I'm like, well, why are you mad at him working an interim match? Like they even talked about like the bunkhouse brawl and all that shit. Like, they, what do you want? I understand. I don't understand them because they think it's ridiculous. But when AEW gives names to all of these shows and every show then feels like a main attraction specialty thing, like then people expect like everything to be like Moxley working the next guy. Like, yo, it's just another weekly thing. Yeah, like just like calling no, shit things. Yeah. Like that. that's it. Like, like Clash of the Champions. I had to get over that. Like, no, like. Yeah, they just give this shit a different name every week. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. We know what their flagship pay-per-views are. Right. And they're not going to have Mance Warner in the main event of that. No, and it was like, so, and the match was fine. It was good. And, it was and, all right. And, but it wasn't. But at the end of the day, it makes people, there's a certain group of people, because like, they keep catering to the hardcores. They need to cater to, like, the casuals. No, that's WWE's job. Okay? That's it. It's not like AEW is suffering in the ratings because of this. No. It's not like people like, um, turn. like, if you're not watching it, you just like Fridays WWE, are tough. It's because it's an hour and they still got to figure out some storytelling shit, right? Like that, their numbers are, I think, almost under NXT now for Fridays. Friday was always going to be a tough It's going to be a tough slot, a right? Tough. Like, and then now people are talking about like the HBO, Warner, whatever the Warner joint is and the buyout and yeah, is, yeah. Are, is AW not going to get their contract when you, they're number one on Wednesdays. Like, what are you replacing it with necessarily? I, but like, I, I hate inside baseball motherfuckers like that. Like I in think, wrestling, like honestly, when people do sound scan and, and hip hop. Yeah. Like none of you motherfuckers know what this means. I think, I think honestly, AEW might benefit from what's going on with SmackDown right now because one goes right into the other. Right. Yeah. Right now. So, so SmackDown being a more interesting product and drawing more eyes to it, people go, you know, like potentially that is that there's a, there's a possibility that like that's enough wrestling for me for the evening. But it's the fact that like, oh shit, I just got to turn the channel and there's more wrestling. Cool. WWE being better helps everyone. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why people want people to have bad shows, right? Competition's like, great. I'm not interested in watching a bunch of bad shit. And I'm no. not in, like if, if WWE, if I want WWE fail, what's wrong with me? Right? Like I don't like watching bad basketball, right? When two shitty teams play. I was like, I don't really want to watch. Now, yeah. if a team can get a couple players and get a little better, I'm going to watch yeah. that. If my team is the shitty team, I'll hate watch it. Yeah, of, but course. Yeah, of course. But it's like, if you're a New York Knicks fan, right? You keep cheering <laughs> for the New York Knicks. Let's just be, let's keep it about the motherfuckers ain't won in 30 years. More Bing than that. bong. But you look <laughs> at the That's the best Knicks thing to happen, arguably, in my lifetime. It nothing to do with it's basketball. It's bing bong. <laughs> but if, if you're a Knicks fan, you know that James Dolan's a shitty GM. 
You yeah. know he's made a bunch of bad decisions. You can keep lying to everybody, but real Knicks fans are like, we got to get rid of Dolan. Yep. Real WWE fans, we got to get rid of Vince. That's it. That's it. You got to get rid of the GM. And you're not hating. It's no, just objective. It's just the fact of the, like, you see it. Dolan sucks. Nobody wants to play for him. Like, how are you the biggest city in this country and can't get a free agent? Because Dolan is trash. I, uh, I wonder, I just wonder where all those, uh, where all the, like, WWE stands, the, you, you, you know which ones I'm talking about, the toxic ones. I know these people. Um, what they're going to say, when and if, because it seems like it's becoming more likely when Sasha and Naomi come back through that door. Oh, they're going to love them again. Yeah. Because Even let me tell they you, sh- when they did their own signing the event, oh my goodness gracious, they were going at them. And for what? Because they wouldn't stand arm in arm and with they're gonna be back. They could be back. Like, I mean, we've seen like people like get reported like, oh, they might come back and they come back the same freaking night. Like, those, that tag team tournament can end and then they just show up being like, we're, hey, the real we're, we're CM Punk. Yeah. Like, we, we actually have hey, the belts. Hey, are they going to say, they ran from the grind? So many people agreed when the commentary team went out there and said these two em- what embarrassed. Summarily. Yeah, like embarrassed to come in. They were unprofessional. Yeah. And they let, when the commentary team said that at Vince's orders. Of course. So many people online were like, they're right. They're unprofessional. And those same damn people are going to cheer and be happy oh, yeah. and love it when they come back. That's what tribalism looks like. Right? Like. Look, I get it when you're home state. Like, when LeBron left Cleveland, everybody felt like sabotage. They were burning jerseys and shit. When he came back, though. Did they burn a jersey? <laughs> they all oh, at the parade. They, they, they put, they, I mean, they, he put that shit on primetime. It's just like, Cleveland, I'm about to take a big dump on you. Yep. So, like, then they were all mad. And then it got, like, it got really sad. Yeah, it was like, God damn. By the end of the, by the, end of the heat era before he came back, like, it was really sad. Because it, all of a sudden, it went from that vitriol anger to just, like, oh, my God, we're so bad. LeBron, come back. We're begging you. It, that was That's like one of the craziest and sports listen, they I've the, ever seen in my life. Down 3-1, they win the championship, and everyone in Cleveland loves the man. Yeah. yeah. Including Kyrie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. He works on his earth is flat as his I, Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. This is, this is not the podcast. Oh, Kyrie man. Kevin Durant. No, it, pro wrestling is good all the way around right now. Right now it is, yes. Except, you know what? 2.0. There's one thing that we can leave on this. This is the first time I haven't watched a single G1 match because I don't understand this four block thing. It's, it's New Japan's got to get it together. I, I've tried to watch like the Okada match from last week. Good match. But I, I just, yeah, I don't get it. Too much going Osprey on. Osprey had a good match. Osprey always um, has a good match. Yeah, but I, I just don't understand where it's going. Like, I would but, never not watch G1. Like, G1 was no, like, appointment you know, like I would watch it every day. Yep. Every block, every day while I'm working. Get up early. Yeah, this this year, I'm like, I don't care. When they had four blocks, I was... I was I'm going to watch the finals. I watch the finals, too. But four blocks, it's like over being overexposed. It's the one thing in pro wrestling that kind of sucks right now. It's like, G1 was one of those things that was appointment viewing. And they and it always had three matches with there and, like, will end up in the top five. Now, this year, like, nobody's even talking about it. The pandemic... Wrecked New Japan. Yeah, they would hurt. Mm. I, I I don't know how they bounce back because now it's so much shared talent. Yeah, it doesn't feel special. It's not. It's not. AEW's kind of taking that spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you want to watch the Bucks and like we got them. 
You don't yep. need to get this shitty New Japan World app because it's, it's a terrible app. Like the, oh, the app is. interface is trash. So yeah. it's like, I'm not going to go through all this struggle to watch it. So it is what it is. I mean, but speaking of programming that maybe doesn't get very, very heavily watched, but is also really good right now. Impact's doing great stuff. Yeah, their pay per views are outstanding. Oh, Impact's great. Impact's, Impact's their, great. Their their booking is really good. It's just like their their weekly television is not not the best. But no, it's hard to find. It's hard to find. <laughs> it's hard to find. But I still enjoy the pay per views. The pay per views are great because it's just there's so much good talent there that it's just anyone they men and women's side. Their women's division kicks ass. Yeah. By the way, like. Any combination of people, you're just like, cool, I'm watching that. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, oh, that's good. You got to kick Ooh, Sammy good. Callahan's ass in football this week. Ah, let me tell you, Sammy. It's coming uh, up. Sammy, like two days. <laughs> yeah, Sammy's, Sammy's tough. Uh, he's, 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 his roster is currently broken the game. So uh, we're going to have to talk about that. We're going to have to do some coaching. Oh, I put it on Sammy. Yeah, so yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had Sammy in a pretzel. He was upset. Coming for you, uh, Callahan. <laughs> no, we, we appreciate you all for listening. As always, we're going to, again, Hit the break. Come back with Sean Ross Sapp. One hell of an interview there. Producer Cole, baby. Yeah. Your last full-time day here in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Festival of Friendship. People can find it on YouTube. I can't wait. Yeah. Corner YouTube is going to be so much fun. We appreciate you all. Stay tuned. It's one hell of an interview with Sean Ross Sapp. Don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. may notice this guy in the middle of us look at the face sean ross sat look look at that look at that it's a beauty looking amazing here on the blue wire desk wait he's not standing up so nobody knows because he's too tall (laughs) listen listen you know what they'd see if i was standing up what these beautiful custom srs ones is what they They call srs ones they're srs ones look at that alligator snake Concrete leather on there. We usually put we used to put kicks up here because Kale used to wear DCs. Yes, I used to wear DCs, and you know I wear my Air Max. They have since been retired due to a very poor yeah. bet on my end. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I bet against the Celtics. Oh, against with the Brooklyn Nets, which looks worse. Sure. Oh yeah. Given like the current circumstances of everyone being traded out of Brooklyn, but uh, yeah, I bought the hype. The Celtics made it look easy. And uh, I no longer have my DCs, so they are they are retired. Uh, <laughs> Producer Cole Bebe is about to. Um, I think he might have exploded. <laughs> like they imploded. Like I, I don't know. It's, it's it was very bad. So do you all wear the same size shoes? Like no. does he get them, or did you just not get to wear? Oh, them? Oh, he got them to kill them. No, I get no. He got them. <laughs> the the shoes have been given it. to him. I respect it. So it's just like a trophy. Yes. yes. I love that. No, he does not I, wear the... I mean, he wouldn't wear these shoes if, nobody if he did. I respect it. Yes. I honestly respect it. But it was a very good gimmick on my end. Yeah. But like all gimmicks, they have to come to an end. Yeah. So now I'm like in my Jericho phase where I'm trying to find like another gimmick oh, and I'm no. between gimmicks. Yeah. It's kind of like when he went from like Le Champion Wait, to... You got New Balance on just, right now. That's well, that's because like... They're comfortable. Yeah. Viewers They're- like suggested... Once... <laughs> It was clear that I was going to lose this bet. People started sending in suggestions <laughs> yeah. of like other shoes I could buy because they were just like, oh, you want comfort? Try New Balance. I just, and I was like, all right. I just like that they put a giant N on the side of their shoe and they're like, in case you forgot who yeah. we are. So we are New Balance. I was watching like a Jack Harlow video and I was like, all right, cool. Like I couldn't get the dad shoes. 
People like yeah. get the white with the blue, and I I couldn't do that. the Air Monarchs. Yeah, so <laughs> those are becoming like those are increasing in price now because people are ironically buying them so much. Like you used to be able to get them for like fifty bucks. Now you'll see them for like seventy five, eighty because so many people are sarcastically buying those shoes, just like anything else in the world. Right? Horrible. Yeah. Wouldn't it be me. Yeah. So have you, you know, my have you seen people customize them? Like they'll put flames on them and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. You might give me a it. new gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> too no, many people have that. It will not be your new gimmick. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. I might just like my plan, my grand scheme mm-hmm. is to just go complete opposite and like lean into buying like super expensive sneakers. Mm-hmm. There's like a stupid shop here that has like yeah. $800 sneakers, but I just can't bring myself to like buying it. But one day I will just to pop everyone in here. Like that's my plan. Mine are $1,500 shoes. Sean, I don't think I've spent that much on sneakers my entire life. I got a deal. What can I say, man? <laughs> you sound like this guy. I know. Hey, every time he's, listen, he's on the sneaker however you can get it. Amazon, hey, it's all bad. Amazon's the worst. Yeah. I, Amazon comes to my house and they're just like, are you going to get the packages we left here yesterday? No. I go to his community and I don't even have to know his house number. Because I just drive until I see the house with Amazon packages outside. I'm like, oh, this is great. And I just park. Knock on the door every time. Yeah. Every day. He Yo, can you problem. get those for me? Can you bring them boxes in <laughs> He has a problem. But, again, you would think we're here to talk pro wrestling. You would Deshaun's think. Ah. No, no, we're not. Ah. We're starting off today talking about movie soundtracks. Let's do it. Uh, I'm ready for it. What is it? Is it End of Days? That was a good one. Could it be in the End of Days soundtrack? I don't it think so. It is 30 years since the Boomerang soundtrack. Which is incredible. One of the best. Okay. But that's not the what we're ever. here to talk about. No. Because Sean's here. Sean, when, when did this start? Because first of all. I'll tell you when it started. Like, listen, you're, you're yeah, acting like this is a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll let you set the stage. Though. No, you set the stage. No, please. Because you're the one that's, that's had so much. Because he has so much malcontent. Even, it just came out of nowhere. Because I think, we, uh, was it on Twitter this started? Yeah, probably. It's the greatest uh, movie soundtracks. Maybe. Yep. And I was talking about like Above the Rim and, mm-hmm. you know. Boys in the Hood, Men's yep. Society, and somebody chimed in with like Judgment Day, and then Sean came in very adamantly and said, Men in Black. Now, let me reiterate it's Men in Black, the album, not specifically <laughs> the soundtrack. Now, if we're talking like it's how big it is, we're talking about the soundtrack. I don't mean what you hear during the movie, but specifically, go look at Men in Black, the album. Pull it up. Like pull he's it, pulling up. it up. Pulling it up. Okay, right now. now keep in mind. I lived in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Yes. So the extent of hip hop that I had heard by 1997 was <laughs> Will Smith and MC Hammer. We had not yet hit the stage <laughs> where like Bad Boy was so big you couldn't avoid putting them on top 40 radio. Right. So it was just Will Smith and and MC Hammer. And my mom comes home with Men in Black the album on cassette tape. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is cool. I got the Men in Black song. And then I started to listen. And what did I hear on there? For the first time, I hear Snoop Dogg. I hear De La Soul. I hear A Tribe Called Quest, my favorite group of all time. I hear Nas. I hear Genuine. And before anybody knew who they were, Alicia Keys and Destiny's Child. Yep. This is three or four years before anybody knew who either Alicia Keys or Destiny's Child were. So when they popped up on MTV, I was like, oh, yeah, I know who they are. I've been listening to their music for two or three years at this point. Of the curve. Yes. Here I am. MTV's got Buzzworthy up there. And I'm like, what? I've known who they were for three years. Like best new artists? Yes. Not to Sean. Nope. No, nope. exactly. So it, 
And none of the songs that are on that album appeared in the actual movie besides the Men in Black song, maybe just Cruising, I don't know. And then the the like the score. But yeah. I don't really care about those songs. I cared no. about everything else. And <laughs> there's some good songs on there. We just want to party with you. That's so all right. I had to revisit Genuine, this. I'm feeling you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's actually a pretty good track. You should have <laughs> seen me, 11 years old, and they're singing Genuine. Got D'Angelo and The Roots. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, the Roots? Yes. I can't believe I forgot the about hypnotic. The Roots. Yes, yeah, the Hypnotic the, is yes. on that soundtrack. What? Escobar 97 yes. with Nas. So hold on. Okay. Your mom bought this. Yeah. Does she have any idea what was on this soundtrack? She probably wouldn't have cared, honestly. Um, but, I mean, she knew. We would watch the movie. Right. So she was familiar with that. And at that point, she was probably just buying me something to shut me up. <laughs> and she was like, all right. And I never heard any complaints about it. Plus, it was a very sanitized like, yes. soundtrack. Like, there wasn't anything particularly explicit on there. Like, the the Nas stuff was pretty tame, and the Snoop Dogg stuff was super tame. Very. Very tame. But, I mean, that introduced me to a lot of these people. And then I was like, oh, this is who a tribe called Quest is. So then when I saw Q-Tip, I was like, oh, I know who Q-Tip is. So it introduced me to, like, so many different hip-hop artists that I would have never encountered on the radio back then. Right. And that's the only way I could hear music. See, that's incredible. Because, like, as we drift into the conversation of pro wrestling and discovering, like, indie talent, there was a time in music where somebody like you, where you lived at, there was no internet where you could just yeah. find everything. So it was like, I, I get it. When you said Men in Black back then, I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> but now I get it because it was like a gateway drug to bigger and better things. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, it, and it branched from one to the other to the other because, again, it, a tribe called Quest, then there's Q-Tip, and then you find the other groups. The Roots was a big one because I loved I loved the Roots, um, and then I didn't I had never listened to R and B before that, and I find out who D'Angelo and Genuine are, and Genuine was great. Uh, but man, yeah, that was a lot of fond memories there. And let me tell yeah, yeah. you, they could have put me on one of those tracks when I was eleven. <laughs> I would have been singing <laughs> right next to anybody right there. It would have been beautiful. So, and you've I think on you collect vinyl now too, right? Mm-hmm. What's what's your uh, What's your favorite piece of vinyl that you got? Oh, man. Um, I've seen Tribe in your collection. I've yeah. Seen, I've seen some good stuff. There, there's a couple. My wife picked me up the Doja Cat album from last year. I'm a Doja Cat fan. But Sublime Self-Titled is a good one. Mm. Mm. So, like, when I was a kid, if you got CDs, you would have to go. We had, like, one CD store. And it was, like, <laughs> the Sam Goody on cue where it was, they gouged you. So hard, <laughs> like twenty four bucks for a CD, and I remember, uh, I, I saw a Sublime CD. I just thought it looked cool, so I saved up the twenty four bucks and I got it. And it was my favorite album of all time. So finding that at a local record store mm-hmm. was awesome. And I like to go get them in the wild. I don't like to order stuff. Like right. I want to oh. encounter yeah. this and then physically buy it. So finally, after like. 15, 20 trips to the record store, I found the Sublime self-titled album. I was really happy about that one. Look at that. Discovery. Oh, through the crates. Well, see, again, this is why I like Sean. This is why, as we drift in the conversation of pro wrestling, it's kind of the same thing about, like, Discovery, right? Like, if you take the time to discover music, you mentioned one thing that's very key. I don't like to order it online. Yeah. I used to love, like, I miss Blockbuster Video. Oh. I used to stand in the video store for, like, hours and just be like, and try to find that gem. That's how I found Fear of a Black Hat. I was at the video store one night. I, got, I worked at Hollywood Video. I did too. <laughs> I got fired because they thought I stole a soda and I didn't. Oh. 
My, my wife still to this day is like, you stole that soda. I was like, I did not steal the soda. But I worked at Hollywood Video. And it's like, that discovery era of music is so important. And I feel like we don't have it like we used to in like pro wrestling. And pro wrestling with the, the Ring of Honors and even when TNA first really started and even PWG. I mean, you got to buy that on like DVD, right? Yeah, like, unless there's you no go. other way to watch it. P- and PWG, you get it in like three years yeah. on DVD. Yeah. Right. And you're like, he don't even work there anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's the NXT champion. He's been signed and released since then. <laughs> oh, it, it's, it's just beautiful in this discovery. So now we can talk about a little bit of, of yeah. pro wrestling and your, sure. your career. Because I've watched you... For a minute, this, the come up that you've had has been pretty, pretty significant. You have your your slew of haters. Yeah, sure. Did you always want to do pro wrestling journalism at all? And do you, I don't yeah. even know if we call it journalism these days. Like, yeah. what do we call it? I call myself a reporter, but like, listen, if if I'm not always the guy. If you want the all encompassing stuff, like a lot of people look at what Dave Meltzer has done and done well for thirty or forty years, and they're yeah. like, oh well. You haven't given this enough coverage, that enough coverage. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to cover every single thing. I'll cover like what I know about and what I have news about. And then whatever I want, yeah. ultimately. But uh, it, if you go back to my high school yearbook, it said I wanted to be a sports writer. Mm-hmm. But like I was 5'7", 120 pounds. <laughs> then I couldn't do anything athletic or anything like that. So I was trying to figure myself out. And a few years later, I was like, oh, I want to get an MMA. And I started to train. I was pretty good at it. And I thought, oh, I'll fight. I'll do something like that. And I broke my neck, like, really early into it. Jeez. And when I came back, like, there were kids, like, four or five years younger than me that were so much faster, so much stronger. They didn't have the injuries already that I had. And I was like, there's literally no way I'd be able to do this at a high level and succeed. And my thing was... Like, I don't care if it would have been, like, mopping a floor or anything. I wanted to be the best at at least one thing at one point of my life. Like, it, it could be cleaning toilets. doesn't matter. Just the idea uh, and the motivation of, I want to be the best at one specific thing somehow, some way, at some point. Because I was always fascinated by sports and the Olympics and, right. and competition in general. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I can lean the experience that I have into media and like 10, 12 years ago, there weren't a lot of people in media with the experience. Like Kenny Florian was on TV and and doing that, but there weren't nearly as many as there were now. And eventually I ended up putting my eggs in the wrestling basket instead of the MMA basket, which I'm very happy about, even though I still love MMA. But I think always in my mind, I was like, you know what? I want to do pro wrestling media, but I love all the aspects that build it up too. Like I like entertaining. I like performing. I like training. I like doing that. But I also like finding stuff out and learning stuff and then sharing that with other people. And that's just always like kind of a knack I had. So you go from, and this this is always tough, right? Because you wear several hats in media. You have to be a guy who not only breaks news, mm-hmm. which is kind of like hardcore journalism standards, like two sources, like you got, you got to break news. But then you have an entire network where you're completely just an opinion-based guy. And how hard is it to juggle that? Because breaking news, I know people break news in other sports. It's hard not to piss people off when you break news and lose sources. Mind you, you then have to go and talk and be, like, opinionated about these same people all the time. Sure. So this past weekend, Tony Khan brought me up by name at the AW Media Scrum. And he was like, Sean reported the Jefferson Starship thing about Orange Cassidy. 
He's like, and I didn't quite have it yet. And I was like, well, I didn't report that it was going to debut at Forbidden Door. I just said it was coming. It was on the way. And since then, it, it has happened. People like like him especially because he grew up reading newsletters right. and all that yep. stuff. He understands the game. He knows it. There are some people who grew up the same time I did, and I didn't know what Dave Meltzer was or Mike Johnson or any of that stuff growing up. I was reading WrestleZone and 411 Mania and the, a lot of the, the aggregators. So a lot of the, the people, the wrestlers now that – grew up in that era, sort of still look at it like that. And I'm trying to, I want to change that and adjust that and have different avenues. But as far as, as differentiating news and opinion, my rule is always like, I'll, I'll never insert my opinion on the original news post. Yeah. So when they go to FightfulSelect.com and they hear me write up a piece of news, there is not going to be any of my opinion on there. Ideally, there won't be any of anybody's opinion on there. <laughs> right. And that's sort of what you got to figure out is, in this, whose agenda is at play, if anybody's, and yep. you got to decipher that. I broke a bunch of news about MJF, and I had to tell the guy at one point, listen, I've known you a long time, and I respect you, but I can't even take what you say and run it with a single source and say it as MJF says, because you're like a super worker. Right. I got <laughs> to figure out, I got to ask other people if they've heard this about you. Yep. And there, it, it's all dependent on the particular story. Uh, but, I mean, like, I'll break news and then talk about it on the Monday Night Raw show. But I, at this point, I always have to specify, this is my opinion. This is not fact. any not yeah. fact. And uh, I will never, I, I, I'm not going to put, like, a Sean's point of view at the bottom of that either. Because, to me, that's too leading as well. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that's fair. So, this, this is the interesting thing. The MJF thing. Yeah. Sure caused is. a true shitstorm <laughs> on social media. Sure did. He's on Wait. a plane. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, I never reported he was no, on the plane. No. Yeah, you did, no, but that's social media. Yeah, just taking off and stuff. He's on but the you plane. you get a lot of heat from OGs in this business. Mm-hmm. Some that you respect, some that you just don't. Yeah. meet them and they're dickheads, right? Like that's yeah. just kind of the way it is. That day though, how frustrating is it when you know you have something right? Oh, and you have to listen to everybody tell you, oh, he's just doing this for clicks and all this nonsense. Yeah, because I don't get paid off clicks. By the way, I get paid a flat salary. <laughs> Period. Like, I don't care about clicks. We lose money on the click end of things. That mm-hmm. supports, like, we, we, we use the, the subscription-based model to kind of support that. But it is very frustrating, especially when I specifically showed the people that would be like, oh, no, this isn't true. I showed them what I saw and told them the links that I went to or go to to ensure anything like that. And I've got a pretty high field goal percentage with, yes, you do. with this stuff because the way that I looked at it was if I if I don't report as much news but it's always accurate, eventually that's going to grow. And if I'm not taking a shot in the dark, especially in this unique entertainment, athletic, sports journalism media but not journalism media that doesn't have to follow certain ethics but it sort of does in certain situations well then eventually people are going to come to me with their news and that is exactly what happened like some some people just wanted something different and one day people are going to want something a hell of a lot different than me and somebody else is going to be getting that yeah and that that's just the nature of it but ahead of that tony Khan scrum that night before he had a no comment i made sure i sent it to will Phil, Reg, Denise, a few people. And I was like, listen, here's the evidence that I have. Here's who I verified it with. 
if he says, no, there was not a plane ticket booked, you've got this and you can kind of challenge him on it. And they know that I'm not going to just, it's not worth risking my career or the trust that I've built with the people that do support me to just make something like that up or not verify it. Right. So like there is no single story that is worth me ruining my credibility or accuracy or anything like that. There, there is not a single story out there that would be worth that to change like what I've worked for and what my team's worked for. So it is frustrating when there are people that I know didn't do the work. And then when they'll tell me, Oh, well, this is what I did. And I'm like, (laughs) that's not even how you, you are supposed to do it. Right. But to each their own, I guess. So one thing I've seen, I'd say since AEW, probably a little bit before AEW, like NXT days, your brand has just exploded since, right? Yeah. Like people started to like maneuver <laughs> and like the signings and like, you know, this person signing here, all this stuff. I've also seen a ton of copycat kind of accounts Ooh. trying to break news. Trying to want to name any, want to name any. I, oh, I, I'll throw go something ahead. on the table. Go ahead, go ahead. Go, throw one. Like again, this is one that I saw, and I was like, "Oh, get the hell out of here!" But slice wrestling is like a fake. big one, out completely, there. Fake. completely fake, completely fake, just throwing shit at the board, well, right? Well, the guy whose nickname his his initials are BS for bullshit. We, we oh yeah, yeah, no Brad Shepard. Right. Yeah. yeah, so there's like a joke. People out there trying to scoop you mm-hmm. now. And kind of just making shit up and see what sticks. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Like just guessing based on the plots and all this stuff. The, so the Slice one is funny because there's a parody account called Sliced. And people look at that and they're like, oh, well, Slice Wrestling said. And I'm like, it started as a parody account years ago. <laughs> years ago. Like, how do you all not know any better? But um, to me, the more people breaking news accurately is better because when I started to break news, nobody like really wanted to help me with that when I would ask for advice. And it's uh, not only that, there, there would be people that would straight up take what I had reported and just not, not credit. credit. Yeah, and like then when I would say something to them, they'd be like, who cares? Well, I care because <laughs> it's, it's my career. And to me, the more credible people that are, are doing this, the, the better, because I want more people to report things because then I can get supplementary details on that. And we can monetize that as well. Yeah. And vice versa. If if I report something, they can find out more details about it. And we can kind of help that, that thing grow. And to me, that's important to have multiple people that are not just, and not multiple. Like, I'd like, like, 10, 15, something like that. Because I'm at a position now to where, like, the more the merrier and the more credibility one lends to the other. Yeah, kind of want your shams to your woge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, would, I, would lo- I love that. So I want to go back because, like, I've been in journalism for a long time. And I, I, the wrestling business has always been this unique business. And once you start to have friends in pro wrestling, you you have to separate it. Because it's like, sure. I'm not. So when was the first time that you found some news to break? And then you were like, I could actually do this and make a career out of it. Because it's not like MMA. It's not like boxing. Yeah. It's not like it, pro wrestling is a different beast entirely. So it was it was kind of a weird situation because I had developed some some friends like from MMA that ended up getting into pro wrestling. Jessamyn Duke was one of them. She lived like an hour from me. I went and trained with her a time or two. Whipped my ass. She's she's incredible. <laughs> she's incredible. But I got a piece of news and it was like that double edged sword. I didn't end up repeating it or reporting it. 
But I heard, oh, the Horsewomen and Ronda are ringside at WrestleMania. They're going to do something with The Rock. And I hit up Jessamine, and I was like, if I report this, is like she going to be mad? But also, I was like, why is this person telling me this? Right. Why? Like, what motivation do they have? And that's something that I do wonder. And sometimes it might be just because they do have an agenda, and I got to filter through it. Sometimes they might just think I'm a nice person. Sometimes they might think somebody's a, a terrible person, and they would rather give it to me than them. But that was specifically the time where I was like, maybe this is possible. And um, there had been a, a situation before that, at I think it was Night of Champions 2014 or something. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends was doing extra work there, and they're like, hey, they're teaching Brock Lesnar to take curb stomp right now. And I was like, Seth Rollins isn't on this show. And they're like, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, okay. So Seth's getting involved in that main event. And I verified it with somebody else, and I was like, okay, maybe this could could happen. Uh, But it wasn't until, like, 2017, 2018, interviewing a whole lot of talent is what really – like, they would start telling me stuff off camera, and I was like, okay. And then I would say, do you mind if this goes out? And they were like, well, not really, but say, don't don't use me as a source and get it verified from somebody else. And I was like, yeah, of course. That's when I was like, okay, I can make this uh, a reality and monetize it even. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy because, again, I've watched. One, I appreciate the work you do because – you, your, your batting average is pretty high. And I know that from people that I've talked to. It's like, yeah, Sean's right. Like, I'll ask people. Because I, I don't do the reporting thing. I don't do the dirt sheet. I don't, sure. I'll do the columnist thing. And I'll do the features thing. But I know things. And I don't report it. That's my thing. But when I see you report it, I was like, oh, he's right. You should just tell me instead. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, there's a certain level of respect that comes with that. Because pro wrestling is a different beast. Entirely. I always say I talk to the best liars in the world, and that's not an insult. But, but it's true. But it is true, yeah. Like, they're trying to make you think they're hurt when they're not, and then when they are hurt, they're trying to make you think that they're not hurt. Yep. And then they're working angles, stories, all that stuff. And, I mean, there there are so many times that I've not reported on injury news because I'm like, I know you're working. <laughs> like, there was somebody a couple weeks ago, I was like, you okay? And they said something to me, and I was like, no, you wouldn't have been out there if this happened. They would not have let you out there if this happened. But um, pro wrestlers are the best liars in the world, and that's a, that's a very good thing. Like they're they're very good at it. They're, they they got to they they can't go home. Like Brian Cranston got to go home after Breaking Bad, and he didn't have to pretend to be Walter White anymore. <laughs> he didn't have to go around pretending like he sold meth to everybody. Right. But some wrestlers, like, they got to pretend. They got to carry a Money in the Bank briefcase through. Somebody's taking that home on a plane. Yeah. He carried that shit constantly. Yes. Yes. Like, they they got to get massages, like a couple. (laughs) A a couple's massage. And he had had to take the briefcase in there with the the robe. No, that, that wasn't that wasn't for the massage. That, that's when we had the title everywhere. <laughs> oh, okay, but, okay. We had we had the suitcase that was tore up, and they had the yeah. briefcase. We take the suitcase, and he had it tied together with shoestring. Yep. And we had, we had I was like, I'm gonna buy a new suitcase on Amazon. He's like, No, I got this briefcase. I'm gonna start putting my clothes in it. And I was like, Stop. <laughs> but yeah, they have to carry that. They have to live that yeah. life. That's that's twenty four seven. There is no escape from so, that. It's it's really hard to decipher a lot of this stuff and, and determine what's real and what isn't. And as much as I love MMA, I'd love to be at, at the UFC show. Uh, but 
there's a lot more that I can report in the world of wrestling because like, how am I going to monetize that and support like our staff? This person's fighting this person. Well, all right, that's going to, Ariel's going to put that on Twitter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like, it's a rep. He's going to do that. And, and he's, he's mastered the way to monetize that in, in MMA, but like there, there's just so much more meat on the bone that I can personally access in pro wrestling. And it's, it's been very good, but I mean, there are a lot of muddy waters to navigate. The MJF story is a, a perfect example. Perfect example. Having to kind of balance that and it's different for everyone, especially everyone like being in media and all this stuff. Like we all kind of have our own way of viewing this, but has it separated or can you still be a fan of pro wrestling with as deep into pro wrestling you are? Oh, and that's to yeah. say, like, you know, it's only been like maybe like five, six years. <laughs> like, yeah. it could be jaded in five or six years. But like, can you still be a fan and like go and enjoy a show and and not try to like think about work and like, oh, this is an angle or a scoop or I should check this? Can you still enjoy pro wrestling? I'm always working, but it's funny because twelve years ago is when I started media and the column I pitched to Bill after was, am I still in love with pro wrestling? Like, cause MMA was so big then. Yeah. And that's, I was training it full time and I was covering it a lot. And I was, it was just so exciting at that point when you had Anderson Silva and GSP and Brock Lesnar and all these mega stars. I was like, man, what am I watching on WWE and, and TNA at the time? And the first article I wrote was on January 4th, uh, 2010 and that was the night that tna went head to head with raw yep. and brett and sean did their thing back and i was like oh, this column's kind of dead in the water already because <laughs> it's very exciting and i think in my heart i knew i wasn't gonna even abandon it but at that point i was like man do i love mma more and i'll i know that you guys know this nothing can make you a casual mma fan quicker than covering mma because okay. people complain about seven-hour WrestleManias. That is every Saturday in MMA. Every Saturday. And that's just the event. That doesn't count the time between the presser, the time after the presser, the travel home. Don't remind me. Every Saturday <laughs> every is a, a wake-to-sleep day in MMA. And um, when I leaned out of covering MMA… It was around the time the pandemic started and wrestling was really hard to like love then because there were no fans. But specifically since the fans have come back, I find myself enjoying it more than ever because like I'll never take that for granted again. I'll never take for granted us talking about this person got this kind of pop again because yeah, right. we didn't hear that for almost a year and a half. So since then, I found myself like jumping out of my seat a lot more. And a lot of these shows like, my wife will travel in with me and she really enjoys it. Or, and also I'm put in there with media where these are people I talk to on a weekly basis, yeah. a daily yeah. basis, and they become your friends. So you're watching the show with a bunch of your friends. I had a viewing party at my new house where like 15 people showed up. Once WWE Network had popped up, those died for years yeah. because everybody just paid their nine bucks and stayed home. Yeah. But I ordered the AEW pay-per-view, had a bunch of friends come over. It was it was fantastic. So I'd say that now I'm enjoying it more than I've ever enjoyed it. And the fact that I can do that and make a living at it is just, I, I can't beat that. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Let, let's dispel the bullshit because this happens a lot. 
Tribalism in pro wrestling is yeah, a thing. Of course. But there is an accusation that always persists that oh, AEW gives you more access than WWE. Categorically wrong. I've said this. <laughs> Categorically look, wrong. Look, before you came in, we just had Bianca on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Right? And WWE is happy to do that for us. Yeah. And, and you know this. WWE is pretty good at giving you talent. Yeah. I love AEW, but it's hard. It's very hard. I had Tony Khan himself saying, yes, I'll do an interview with you. It never got set up. And I'm like, he's like, hey, ask this person. I'm like, you own the company. <laughs> you can't just do it. And uh, since Tony's mentioned it, I speak to him here and there. Sometimes I'll get no sold. And that's that's the nature of it. Yep. Sometimes you get no sold. But I can tell you, especially over the last three years, WDB has been far more accommodating because they do the junkets. And that's yep. what I love. Like, scrums are one thing. And for any wrestling companies that are listening, do junkets. Scrums are great, but junkets are important because everybody gets their own info. Yeah. And if if you can't get a headline out of five or seven minutes, you're in the wrong business. In the wrong business. But I mean, would I like 15, 20, 30, 40 with everybody? I'd love it, but I know that that's not realistic. But WDB is awesome at setting up these junkets. And um, that, like, I'll, any given year, I'll interview 30, 40% of their roster. And then I'll hit them up and I'll be like, hey, can I have this person for the magazine? And sometimes they'll say yes. Sometimes they'll say no. If I say, hey, I'd love to talk to somebody to promote NXT, usually happens. I'm, I'm far more critical of WWE's product because I, I don't enjoy it as much as AEW's. <laughs> I mean, and I'll get people to say, well, you're showing your bias. And I'm like, no, that's a subjective entertainment program. Exactly. It is a subjective entertainment program that I'm sharing my opinion on that does not carry over into news. I'm not going to be like, Drew McIntyre, who was in a dog shit segment this week on Raw. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not going to do that when I report news. And I'm not also going to be like Eddie Kingston, who kicked an amazing amount of ass, being the best wrestler <laughs> on planet Earth. I'm not doing that. Like, th- there's always the weirdos that are like, on AEW's payroll. Oh, I, I got that when I did the GCW spot, too. And I'm like, what do you think that GCW can provide me that I don't have? Like they put me on screen we're on screen all the time yeah everybody's got the same possible outlet anybody can be on screen whenever the hell they want to uh it's just i've i've the closest is that i've had to a company saying we'll pay you to do something like that was someone that you and i talked about a little bit earlier yeah and they wanted coverage and they're like oh we'll come in and and manage somebody. And I was like, no, sorry, separate those two. Yep. I don't make a dime from anybody but Fightful. Period. Point blank. Ever. And um, as far as access goes, EW, well, and this is coming off me interviewing Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> but that was him. He right. reached out about that. Like, yeah. that wasn't, a, a, like, them setting up thing. But I would say... WDB gives me more access. Impact gives me more access. New Japan gives me more access to their American talent. They've, they've got great PR people. AEW is probably like fourth or fifth or something like that. And that's not me hating on them. They can do, they can operate their business however they want. But yeah, to, to imply that like there's some sort of access that I won't be provided, especially with the scrums that I don't go to anymore. Right. I'm like, everybody can watch those. Like it's not. There's not anything special about me getting into like that one question yeah. with Tony Khan. So I, I think it's just a lot of people that don't necessarily know what goes into it or know how it works. 
And that's okay. It's just usually when that happens, I just don't talk about it if I don't know how something works. You mentioned just in, in that whole thing where, all right, you don't have to, like say WWE gives you more. If you need something for AEW, you still go and get that. You, you don't have Try to pick least, size. Yeah. 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 There's no, how much of that is because you started off and still kind of hold this like core of being independent? Of having Fightful and saying, I don't need anyone. Like, yeah. I am my boss. Like, yeah. pretty much. Like, this is me. I can do what I want. I'm, I'm very fortunate that we had a business, or, or I've got a business partner now who owns the site, yep. who hit me up, and he he covered pro wrestling full-time, like, 20 years ago. And he stepped away from it because the dot-com bubble burst, and he always wanted to do it. And he's like, I want to do it the right way. And... Uh, some advice for for young journalists. I'll never ask anybody to work for free, but sometimes it pays off. I worked for Bill Apter for free for five years, and Jimmy Van hit up Bill Apter, and Bill said, I'm not right for this. Sean Ross Sapp is right for this. And I got the opportunity to be like, to from somebody who said, I trust your your judgment. I trust your your business plan. I trust all this. Let's make it work. And when we were losing money hand over fist, he was like, don't care, it'll work out. Don't care, it'll work out. Um, to, into the tunes of hundreds of thousands the first few years it lost, lost money. And having the ability to be like, no, this is the right way. Slow, steady, accurate. Uh, learn more. Our production values weren't the highest or anything like that. You learn more as you go on. But we didn't have to answer to a conglomerate, a media thing. I don't know how many wrestling websites I've seen get bought out and then within two years, where are they? What oh. what's happened? They're they're non non-existent. The pay scale will either drop straight to the floor or rise through the roof. And then pretty soon a lot of those conglomerates realize this isn't doing what we thought it would do. Well, yeah, because pro wrestling is largely based on that independent type of thing. That's why Dave Meltzer has been so successful. Right. That's why Raj Geary has been so successful. That's why a lot of these places have, uh, Mike Johnson and, and Dave Scherer at PW Insider even, they've been successful because they don't necessarily have to answer to anything like this. I had a business opportunity within the past couple years that would have seen me probably answering to some WWE people <laughs> based on my reporting. And I was yeah. like, okay, so what happens when I, when I would have reported something like what happened a few weeks ago with Vince McMahon? Well, I would have been told, uh, maybe you shouldn't report that. Right. Yep. Maybe you shouldn't follow up on that. Well, that's not what I want. Uh, I want the ability to do that. And I want the ability, if somebody says, well, maybe you should cover this more, I'll be like, all right, if the demand is there and, and it's reasonable, I'll, I'll do it. But that has been so integral because like, I, social media conduct, some people think it's unprofessional, but <laughs> I am professional to the level in which I and my outlet have deemed professional. Yeah. So that's that's the only thing I owe to besides my our, our audience and our friends and our readers. Twitter, <laughs> just the name, just thing alone. Listen, somebody somebody asked. They're like, "Oh my gosh, you got to hundred and whatever thousand followers. What's your next goal?" I'm like, 10. just ten. <laughs> just ten people I really like. I want them to follow me. That's it. Like, dude. I want to go back. So Twitter is like, it's a necessary evil in media. Yeah. Right? You got to have it. And you've built a strong following based on your reporting. But then you have these people that get in your mentions and just sure. lose their shit. 
Uh, how? What is your Twitter etiquette these days? Because <laughs> once upon a time, it didn't matter. It was the Wild Wild West. Yes. But you can do and say whatever you want. Now that you have a significant following, now that you report news. And now, the other part is you're married and you live a life. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily play out on Twitter, but you can't really tweet about. Of course, because I, I don't I, want nobody cares about this shit. Yeah, exactly. So the only people that really care about it are people that want to like kind of tear you down about it. So yeah. I keep my wife off my social media. Um, she does not want a Twitter because she see you know she like sees wife. and hears and yeah. all the horror stories on there, and yep. occasionally there will be weirdos that reach out to her. Like yeah. a couple of weeks ago, we had a weirdo that did that, and it's like she doesn't. She doesn't want any part of that. She doesn't care. She's here with me at this show. Like, that's, it's not like I'm hiding her from that business. It's just she doesn't want to deal with Twitter. As negative as Twitter can be, like, I've got 180-some thousand followers right now. I don't have that many people that hate me, especially relatively <laughs> speaking. True. And if you make your personality hating a wrestling writer— that's pretty sad. Like, if your whole yeah. personality revolves around disliking something, and I know there'll be somebody that says, well, you dislike Monday Night Raw every single week. <laughs> I get paid really well to share my opinions <laughs> on WWE Raw, and I love it. I would much rather cover terrible wrestling than do anything <laughs> else for a job. Facts. Anything. I love it. It's so awesome. But these days, like... Uh, I don't get political on Twitter, um, but I'll have people that talk about some basic social stuff, and they'll be like, don't get political. And I'm like, that's not politics. No, no. That's basic it's human life. That's yeah. life and human, human rights yeah. and, and basic, like, <laughs> being kind to one another and treating everybody equally. That, is, that isn't political. That's not what that is. <laughs> that's just— what people you should, think is political. I know. Like, you should just be human. Right. And treat right. people right. I don't like that. Uh, I'll never go at somebody unless they've gone at me first or if they're being just like a jerk or to somebody that's like close to me. Uh, but otherwise, like anytime people will be like, oh, why are you such a bully on the internet? Trace the thread, bud. Go back and look. <laughs> see, see what this person said first and you'll see that it was justified because I don't really care that much. Like once I log off, I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. That was, that was a fun exchange. I've never met anybody that's like one of those people on Twitter. Never, ever, never interacted with them. We were just talking to Bianca. She's like, I've never met anybody like that either. Ever. It, they don't, they they don't, they're only behind the keyboard. They don't exist. Or you probably did meet them. The craziest part is you've probably met several. Sure. And they were nice <laughs> as hell to you sure. in your face. Hey, and, Sean, nice to meet you. Like, can I get a picture? And, and then well, they just crushed you the next week online. To me, the, the easy thing is... Don't say anything online you wouldn't say directly to the person. How whether, hard is that? Whether it's nice, disrespectful, anything. So, for example, there have been people, Mark Madden, I was like, I think you're a little bitch. I couldn't wait to, to, for us to talk about this Mark <laughs> so, Madden thing. I, I was like, I think you're a little bitch. And he's like, I'd love for you to say it to my face. And I was like, I'd love to. <laughs> Let me know we're around. I'll say it. Doesn't mean I'm going to hit him in the face or right. anything. But I think he's a little bitch. And I would say that to him. Um, There's a difference. You've been punched in the face before. Sure. You trained MMA. The vast majority of people have never been punched in the face, so they don't, like, have that bravado. I like, think when you've taken a punch and you've given a punch, you'd be like, fuck it, I'm just saying to there, your face, what's the worst that's going to happen? There are a lot of people who are way too afraid of getting beat up. Yep. Like, I've had some wrestlers that have yelled at, okay, one wrestler. <laughs> one wrestler. I've only had one negative interaction with one wrestler. 
And we got into a bit of a shouting match. And they're like, you wouldn't talk to me like this if we were in, in person. I was like, yeah, you're not going to beat me up worse than any of the UFC fighters I trained with. Like, yeah. That won't happen. And they're like, well, that's that's not what I was implying. But it was a very <laughs> civilized conversation after that. But, like, getting my ass whipped by a pro wrestler wouldn't be, like, the most shameful thing. I would hope they could. If they can't, they going a different way. If they can't be a wrestling writer who broke his neck 10 years ago, that's that's a bigger problem for them. But I think there are a lot of people that are like, oh, well, you wouldn't say this to somebody because you'd get beat up. And I'm like, it's not that bad. I used to get beat up for a hobby all the time <laughs> in the gym. <laughs> there were like 15 people in my gym at any given time that were better than me. Like, it's not like a tough thing. And you heal up, you get better, as long as they don't kill you or yeah. or strangle you for two and a half minutes or something <laughs> like that. But um, it just talk to people the way that you would in person. If you would really carry that energy in person, though, you probably need to seek some therapy. You need yeah. to seek some some professional help. And that's not me, like, trolling or anything like that. If you would legitimately talk to people in a trolling manner like that, if that's how you get your rocks off, then you need to reevaluate your priorities in your life. Is it fun to see, like, you know, 11-year-old Sean Russ up says, hey, look, man, Vince Russo said this shit about you. And it, it's, it, it's strange because now, once upon a time, you might have been a little starstruck, but now you're in this business and it's like, all right, respect me as a man. Like, yeah. forget all this. But it's interesting when people in, that are supposedly still in the business are wrong as fuck. Sure. And 11-year-old <laughs> Sean would have said, Vince Russo, who's that? Let me listen to Men in Black. <laughs> but, <laughs> tell me when genuine's on WWE. <laughs> but as far as like the opinion based stuff, like you know Booker T gets a lot of, of flack and stuff. Yeah. But yes, you know he he's he's had some wild shit. He knows the formula. He does. He knows what's going to get him the views. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a smart guy. Bully Ray's a smart guy. Yes. He knows what's going to get him the views. Uh, Mark Henry doesn't really go that route, but no. you know when they Love they Mark. do that stuff, they're smart guys. They know, they understand it. They're entertainers, they're performers. But also, I think, like, especially in the case of Bully Ray and, and Mark Henry, they're super valuable to the media. Yep. I think they are, are integral to the media. I think you need to have people like that. Um, you know, I did a show, like, five or six years ago with Vince Russo, and the thing that you'll always hear from people who do shows with Vince Russo is, like, he can be such a valuable resource. It's just... He has found his audience. Yep. And he caters to that audience. And that's how it is. I myself have found, and I'm not saying anything about Vince's audience because I don't know his audience anymore. Right. I myself have found that, like, if you let that pieces of crap know that they are not welcome on your site, on in your audience, anything like that, you get a more educated audience. You get a nicer audience. You get an audience that's more willing to invest in you emotionally, financially. As a result of them being more educated, they're probably in a position to invest in you right. more. And they know that like, if somebody's being a jerk and they're like, yeah, well, I'm a subscriber. Well, take your $5 somewhere else. <laughs> I'm not going to let you poison our well with your $5 just because you think the customer is always right. No, if you're being racist or homophobic or a jerk or just a horrible person, I don't need your 5 bucks. We're going to be yep. just fine. And my audience does not need to congregate with that and, and listen to that crap either. So while I know that there is a lot of money in 
broadening everything. Don't take a particular stance on anything. Just just let everything come to you and, and let as many people in as possible. I think there is also a lot more fulfillment and investment in let's try to cater this towards good people, nice people, people that care about each other and care about common human decency and are good to each other. With that being said, like you clearly know your audience. Yeah. Cultivated your audience. One thing from the outside looking in um, that I've always admired about you and, you know, Fightful is the opportunity you give to younger people in the industry. Sure. And not just younger people, but different voices, yeah. minorities, women. Like we, we've had Denise, we've yeah. had other people <clears throat> here. You allow them not only to just come and, and work for the company and like, hey, here's this platform. You allow them to be themselves on that platform. Is that because of your audience? Because you understand, like, my audience is this person, like, these type of people. I can, they're smart enough to understand, like, everyone has a different perspective. Yes. And is that why you feel so comfortable saying, like, yeah, no, I can give all of these different type of people a voice? Because a lot of people have come through Fightful. Uh, just women, minorities of all types, all this stuff— got their start because of your platform. You just seem happy to do it. Oh, I love to do it because the last thing I wanted to do was to be the middle-aged white guy network because, <laughs> hey, listen, there's some really it's great- like 90% out- of network. Exactly. So that that market has been cornered. Yes. So like why, why wouldn't I want to broaden that and have more people represented? Um, a couple of the, the first two podcasters we brought on uh, was Trina and- Anna Bauer, and at that time there were there were not any women that were doing live post show reviews, yep. and that was a big part of cultivating our audience. Is because when we would see sexist stuff in the comments, we were like, "Hit the bricks! We don't want you here anymore." Mm. I, they're like, "Well, you're doing three thousand views. Well, cool. Now we're going to do twenty nine ninety nine, and we're going to be all right without you." And letting people know that we we want to bring in as many different kind of voices as possible. Because we want to appeal as many people as possible, as many good people as possible. So, and honestly, I think that when you put a bunch of people who look exactly the same, have the same kind of opinions, and the same kind of voice and and approach to things, you, I think you narrow your audience down to that specific type of thing. Like if, I, I enjoy WWE a lot of weeks, but I got Alex Pawlowski, I don't care what they did. He would hate that show. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, buddy, if you want to keep doing this show and hating it, we, we've got an audience for it very clearly. But I don't think that's fair for the main show. So you'll have your own show. He's like, all right, let's do it. And then he said, you know what? I think my audience is too narrow. I'm going to add a woman to this show as well. <laughs> and, and it helps. And then I, Will pitched me Grapsity. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is good. This is a perfect platform. Didn't have to worry about, oh, we need some major investment because Will has been podcasting for 15 right. years. He's yeah. got an audience. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, and he he's he he's got respect from his peers, from wrestlers, from from audience members for like forever. And Reg, I had heard his music, and Phil had had done work with us for the previous two AEW Double or Nothing shows. So I was completely familiar with their work, and I was like, man, this these are three guys that I wish that I had had on before the pitch right. even. Yeah. So to me, it's important to, to diversify as much as you can, like gender, uh, race, age, even like yep. 
Jimmy Van's old as hell, man. Like, he's so old and out of touch. But you know what? We got to cater that old out of touch demographic sometimes. I'm youthful and exuberant. Vince and is somewhere loving that podcast. <laughs> exactly. Vince's like, this good shit. Yeah, but um, we had Carlos Toro and Andrew Thompson, who are a couple mm-hmm. col- were a couple college kids. Graduated. I think Carlos does incredible boxing coverage. I think Andrew Thompson's one of the best coverage guys period ever that wrestling has ever had uh, different ages, different races, races, different backgrounds, different genders. You have to diversify in wrestling. If, if you want to thrive, especially modern day. So I, I'm not going to ask the, for the complete peek behind the curtain, but the one thing sure. that you have mastered and I mean, you've mastered a lot of things in this business, but the, the when releases happen, Oh boy. It's, it be, it's, be, it's a thing, yeah. right? It's like free agent day in the NBA. In the reverse. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Because people are losing their jobs and it stinks. I don't want to ask how you get all this, but when you do, I know there's a part of you like, ooh, this sucks. It does suck. Because are you, you can't talk to everybody that gets released. Sure. But you are breaking the news. Have, has there been a moment where you've broken the news that somebody got released and they didn't know it yet? No. Not yet. Um, and that's by design. There was one time when I found out when people were getting released before they knew. And that, that was the closest I've ever came to like not doing this anymore. That was the Braun Strowman, Ruby Riot set of releases. And I heard the night before and I reached out to my sources and they're like, we haven't heard this. And then like within the hour, they're like, I think this is happening. I think you're right. And um, ironically enough, I didn't hear about Ruby's. I heard about Braun and that's so out of left field. Like at that point you go, what does Vince even want? Like this is, <laughs> this is his wet dream for right. decades and it was over and a good performer even, but that's the only time I heard before. And as best I can, I will never put somebody's release out there before they know it. I think that that's, I think that's heartless to do. Yeah. And I've got a few connects as to far as to learning about that. These days, they don't post the releases anymore. Right. So usually what it is, is I find out, I'll ask WWE in an official capacity, and they'll confirm. There have been a couple times where they haven't confirmed it of late. Um, And the person will just tell me. So, like, it's... And it is this weird paradox where people are like, hey, will you break the news of my release? And I'm like, that... Like, if you want me to, I will, but it feels weird when they're like, oh, well, just want it out there. I want people to know because some of them want their bookings and some of them want to get the ball rolling and stuff like that. But it's, those are the, the those are by far the worst days. It, I mean, it's like a bloodbath. Yeah. The WWE releases were a bloodbath, which leads me to the pandemic. And it feels like during the pandemic, uh, this, did you have your most growth during the pandemic? Yeah, by far. Um, I was thinking today, because NBA free agency, sorry to date this, yeah. but four years ago, I went on like the first vacation after Fightful started and I hit 10,000 followers. It was 2018 free agency day. And now it's like 18 times that. Right. So during the pandemic, definitely, I, I don't know what it was. People had more time to be home or or. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but also there were, there were a lot more leaks coming my way because there were talent that were 
honestly not happy that they were being brought into work during that period. <laughs> there was one specific instance that got me a lot of sources when they brought NXT talent in and they said, don't talk to dirt sheets. And then they said, by the way, you're responsible for your own medical coverage and your own medical stuff. And they're like, they want to tell me who I can talk to, but then they tell me how I'm an independent contractor. That one developed me like four or five sources just based on them kind of shooting themselves in the foot there. But also there were a lot of talent that were ringside for a lot of those things. And they kind of shoot me some info. Then there were some that would get accused of it that absolutely hasn't. That, that's how I became friends with Chelsea Green. She got accused really? of it. Oh. Yeah. And I had never spoken to her before. And she's like, why does everybody think that I'm feeding you info? And I'm like, I don't know, but you can if you want. <laughs> Always well, trying to make another source. Yeah. And then when her release happened, she's like, I want you to be the first person to interview me. And I was like, sure. glad, glad that worked. Yep. Glad that worked out. But the pandemic was definitely our biggest piece of growth, which – Again, that's the thing that makes me feel a little gross when it happens because I'm like, is it contingent on that? Like, is it related to that? But they've stuck around, so and they haven't gone anywhere. Multiplied too. So this is being. I mean, obviously, to this day, people are like, "Oh, you're friends with Biggie," blah blah blah. But we, when you have friends in this business, and you have friends yeah. in this business, how diff- like. Balancing your friendships means that you learn a lot of things that nobody will sure. ever know. Give me a percentage of how much stuff you report and how much stuff that you've held back because you know things that are going to get out there, but it's like, it's not my place to do it. So I don't report on anybody's marriages, pregnancies. Like if they're, if they're sick, sick, Mojo put it out there. Mojo Raleigh put it out there that he had COVID real bad. Right. I knew about that and I was like, that's not my place. Mm-hmm. That is not my place. And sometimes it can be a great thing. Like Mojo, since then, has had a great sense of trust in me for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to report any who, who's screwing who. I don't care. As long as it's legal and consensual. But then there's times like the Vince McMahon thing. Well, that affects the business of things. That's right. got to be reported on. But if Wrestler A and Wrestler B are doing something, having an affair, I don't care. It's not my business and I don't care. You could argue that none of it's any of my business. None of the news is any of my business. But everybody that I talk to understands that even if they're my friend, and at first I was like, I'll have no friends in wrestling. I don't (laughs) want any. It'll be straight journalism. Impossible. It's impossible. It's hard. But they also know that it's my job, and I'm not going to compromise that for anything. Maybe, maybe an extreme case where I've got to use some judgment there. Because, like, there have been times I've told people, I think you might want to sleep on this before you let me run this type of thing. <laughs> like, you might want to sleep on it two days because I don't know if you want to ruin your career over right. saying this or getting this out there. And like I always say, there's no story that's so important that it, it's worth compromising my integrity. But I, I'll give you a good example. Matt Hardy was the first person to treat me like a human being in wrestling, period. He's a wonderful guy. He knows I've got to report this Jeff stuff. Yeah. And I reported his release. I reported that WWE offered him rehab. Um, I reported an awful lot of this. I reported his arrest. And is he happy about that stuff? No. But I'll be like, listen, man, I got to reach out to you for this. Hope there's no ill will. And he's like, you're just doing your job, man. Right. And um, 
I, I believe MJF told a person one time that was mad at me, and they're like, be mad at the person that leaked it, not at the guy that reported it. And I was like, well, thanks, the one nice thing that he said out loud. <laughs> but a lot of these people know that sometimes I'm going to have to report some uncomfortable stuff. During speaking out, I lost a couple friends because, oof. Yeah. But sorry, when when you do this stuff and I verify it, I'm not going to be your friend. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Right. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. That's yuck. Not going to happen. Yeah. How how tough of a time was it for you, the reporter, during the speaking out? Like, and because again, they're trying to get sources or information. That's that's a whole different ball game, right? Yeah. Like, that's not a WWE release. That's yeah. not. That's like something that's that's a little bit more concrete, like real life. How tough was that in terms of being a reporter during that time and having to go and, and break news during that time? Well, it became, like, so all-encompassing, like, as far as, like, a lot of the sexual and physical allegations, then it broadened to there's a lot of verbal accusations, like uh, verbal abuse, and there's a lot of racist stuff that was kind of coming out there. It... Like, for, for that week, nobody cared about anything but that. And we ain't putting that stuff behind a paywall, obviously. Right. Yeah. But also, we're limited legally in what we can report without being sued. Yeah. So, if somebody made a statement on it, if there was a police report filed, or the company put out a statement, or somebody was released, obviously, we'd, we'd store a touch on that. But uh, we, like, we had to be careful from a legal standpoint and— there's a lot of stuff you can't vet. Or when you would try to vet it, people don't feel as comfortable talking about it. Right. Yeah. And that's something you got to kind of uh, be careful with. And again, I'm not always going to be the best coverage guy on everything, but um, that situation was was rough because there were a lot of people that I had worked with in the past that not, there was one specifically that was cited in that, and I've not talked to that person since. And then there's a bunch of my friends who were the victims in that situation. Mm. And that really sucked. And it's a bummer. And then you kind of weigh, well, how would you feel comfortable with this being covered? Because I'd rather be a good friend in that situation than a good journalist. And I don't really give a shit if people think, oh, well, that's not your journalist. I don't care. I'll weigh... (laughs) If it's a wrestling story and a friend gets upset about it, well, I'm sorry. But if it's something like that, traumatic and abusive in nature, I'm probably almost always going to pick the friend route over the journalist route. Being a good person, first and foremost. And and I'm not, and I don't mean like protecting somebody who did the damage. I'm talking about protecting somebody who had that done to them. Yeah. What, man? Yeah, that speaking out stuff is something else. I was just I was just running through all the the things that happened and how Said, difficult. It someone's was. working at Disneyland right now because of that. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, they got fired. Oh, yeah, really. Yeah. Speaking oh, of, I had I had a PR person hit me up, and I'm again I'm not going to say any names because no. yeah, of course I'm not trying to get some bogus legal thing. They're like, how would you get this person back into wrestling? And I said I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't at all. Like they're done. They're yeah. they're gone. They're they ain't coming back. That's it. Like, and then there was, oh well, how would you get Tessa back in? And I was like, well, she needs to apologize first off, and right. she needs to mean it, and she needs to reach out to every single person that commented about that and say, 
where did our issue start? What happened? And how can I make it right? I was like, and even then you're going to have some people that are like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And that's okay because nobody owes anybody else forgiveness or anything like that. Nobody owes that. No. You can do your best to gain it, but nobody owes you that. Lighter note. (laughs) Why? Okay. So the Meltzer ratings are this are the thing, right? Where's the Sean Ross Sapp rating? I used to do them. I I used to do it. So I used to do them. And the way I would do it is one out of 10. And every match would start at a five. And it would either slide down or slide up. And basically, you'd have to do something pretty offensive to get like below a four. (laughs) You'd have to do something real bad. Uh, And anything above six was like recommended. Seven was pretty good. Eight is like outstanding match. Nine match of the year contender. 10 is one that I'd be like greatest match of all time. I got tired of having to justify my own opinions with just, I liked this match because people will say <laughs> you gave this match on raw. That was four or five minutes, the same rating as this 20 minute match. I don't care. I liked, I enjoyed them the same amount. I'm not saying that, that this person, I'm not saying that Dana Brooke, did her STF better than the great Muta or anything like that. I'm just saying I enjoyed these matches to the same level. And if you don't like it, well, guess what? Your opinion is worth exactly as much as mine is. So go do your own ratings. So who cares about it? But there, there were like a few matches I gave 10 out of 10 recently to. There was the Bianca Sasha. I think that's one of the best WrestleMania matches ever. Yes. The best friends, LAX Street Fight. Ooh, oh, with the van at yes. the end. Yeah. Oh, what a match. Uh, I think maybe it was one of the Jericho Wrestle Kingdom matches that was really good. Uh, the Bucks against Omega and Hangman mm, that was, was up there for me. Then, like, Daniels, Joe, Styles at Unbreakable, like, yes. stuff like that. Shawn Michaels and Taker, the, their first WrestleMania match. But I... Like, occasionally they would hit that on retro reviews or something like that. And it got a little bit of an audience. But the audience that I got from it was not nearly enough to justify the annoyance from people. (laughs) (laughs) People being like, oh, well, you need to justify this and tell me why you thought this this Impact Wrestling match was just as good as this New Japan main event. Well, I don't know. Maybe I thought the New Japan main event carried on too long. But ultimately it's going to end in, who cares? Do your own. How, how much? <laughs> look. All right. So, you know, I do. I'm a man of many hats. I do. I watch a lot of boxing, MMA, pro wrestling, and I have my own life. How much pro wrestling do you consume a week? Okay. So, three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, at least an hour of Dark and Elevation, two hours of that, two hours of Impact, two hours of NXT, New Japan Strong every week. And then there's, I mean, there's like BTE and there's, I watch main event, but it takes me like 20 minutes to watch main oh, event. Okay. It takes like, I just watch the match. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I can't tweet about how T-Bar needs to be on Raw and not watch his main event matches. <laughs> oh, That'd correct. be hypocritical. Shout out to Ricochet when he just crushed yeah. the event like yeah. a couple months ago. Him and Cedric want to have a hell of a feud on many. Yeah. yeah. At you'll, you'll minimum 16 hours, but then I'm on podcast another right. six to seven hours. So... Like, we're talking like 25 hours of my week is being in front of a screen watching wrestling or talking about wrestling every week. And that's, I feel like I'm missing something. 
I feel like I'm missing. That's a, a lot. Yeah, it is. I, and the reason why I ask this is because I think a lot of people don't respect how much work gets put into sure. what you do. And what does your wife think of all the wrestling <laughs> that you watch? Like, I'm married. My wife doesn't watch any of this shit. She's like, you can have it. So she she was with me. I mean, we we had some sporadic periods apart and all stuff like that. But she remembers when I was training. And I mean, when I broke my neck and it didn't get properly treated, she was the person coming home and helping me out of bed and stuff like that. Wow. She saw the work that went into it. She saw all the times I would drive and tape fighters' hands and I would teach kickboxing classes and I would I would manage social media for fighters or gyms or anything like that. She saw the work that went into it, so she understands it. And also, when she wanted to pursue her passion, this job is what allowed that to become a reality too. Um, but, I mean, she's, she's trained a little bit with me. She... Uh-huh. There, there was a spot. I'll tell, I'll tell the story one day. But uh, we needed an emergency like spot on a wrestling show, and we had her come in and body slam me, <laughs> <laughs> and beat me up, and it got the biggest pop of the night. So she's she enjoys wrestling. She likes it. She's excited for the show. Um, yeah, it's 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 good stuff. Like she she looks on it fondly. She knows that it provides us with the lifestyle that we live now, and we both came up poor as dirt. So we never take for granted what we have now. And she always looks at that and she's like, okay, we're very fortunate to be where we are. I know there's a lot of compromise, a lot of sacrifices. I didn't have a day off for three or four years, but she she knew that one day it would pay off. And there's not a lot of people that would have that trust. So no. uh, she she looks on it fondly. It's a beautiful thing. Because this because yeah. the reason why I bring this all up is that people look at what you do and they're like, oh, I could do that. But I don't think people understand how much... And you just, all you've mentioned is how much you are watching wrestling. Sure. You still got to get on the phone, text, call, message, write a story, do a podcast. The, the way that I break it down, it's usually, if I had to put a number on it, it's at least 70 hours a week. But I mean, for anybody that says, I could do that, I don't do it. Like, just, just do it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying, like, try, come and get me. Like, do it. <laughs> I used to be yeah. a jackass to Justin Lavar online. <laughs> I, I was, Where are you? I was so I was so terrible. Oh, I was. I was. I was an asshole to him, and I feel so bad for it. And I've told him about it numerous times because I was like, I bet I can do his job better than him. I bet I can do it. But I wasn't doing the work. I was sitting at home and I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting there complaining about somebody else who was doing what I wanted to do, and he was doing it really well. And he reached out to me and. He was like, what's going on? What's your deal? He's like, I, I sought out some of your work, and it's good. He's like, so what's keeping you from doing this? And I'll never forget that because I was like, that was a bad faith type of criticism I was giving him. Mm-hmm. And I don't give, like, I'll occasionally dunk on people like that, but I only give energy to, to good faith stuff. If he would have never done that, I don't know if I would have been like, okay, I should just shut up and put the work in. I should just do that. I shouldn't be worried about what he's doing because very clearly he did something to get there because he's succeeding at this. So that's a, a turning point that I look at. And wow. have I been a troll on the internet since then? <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> Sometimes. But I've, I've looked at that and I was like, I'll never be jealous of what somebody else has or terrible to them for what they have because that's their path. That's what they did. They had. I don't know what he went through to get there. Right. Yeah. And it 
like that one conversation changed things for me. And we, we don't talk as much these days, but I've met him in person several times. And I've even told him like, man, I'm sorry. I was a jerk. Like I, I just was, I was miserable. I was running around, not feeling three of the fingers in my arm. Like I was, <laughs> I was miserable and I, I took it out on him. And if he wouldn't have said that, I don't know if I just wouldn't have shut up and done it. What a, what a good guy you are, Sean. <laughs> I mean, and, no, and like, seriously, though, because this, in MMA journalism, boxing journalism, pro wrestling journalism, there's a lot of shitty people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And since the day that we've interacted on social media. And We're we talking met, about Mark Ramondi, right? He's so terrible. <laughs> Wait, Mark is, yeah. No, Mark, he's, he's Mark is so busy with all this damn. You, you know, I was <laughs> yeah. like, going to money in the bank? He's like, I can't. <laughs> he's, I love Mark. I was like, you probably wouldn't go anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but. There are a few good people out there, and you're one of them. I appreciate that. And I, I do it, like, I wanted it, like, the fact that we could have you here is great. But I like talking to you as a human being. Because sure. I want people to understand, it's like, oh, yeah, Sean, caught you with some releases and shit, but he's a good-natured dude. I try to be. I try to be. I've caught myself, like, <laughs> like even tweeting critical things about movies. And I'm like, what, what's the benefit of this? <laughs> Will this put any positivity into the world? And then I tweeted how bad Los Poyos Hermanos was this week. <laughs> did you? I did. Okay. What, do you like it? No. No. I was like, listen, Breaking Bad to me is the greatest show of all time. Yes, so I had to get it. Top, top, top three. Had to get it, but <sighs> I was disappointed, man. I was disappointed <laughs> by it. You had to let that tweet fly. Yeah. But I mean, okay, have you ever been to Universal? No. Okay, so. I, like the amusement park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like Harry Potter. In, okay, exactly. Okay, yeah. so when we started Fightful, uh, I got married like a month and a half later. And my wife is like, listen, I know realistically it's not a good time for us to go on a honeymoon. We'll wait a year. And I was like, I will take you anywhere in the world you want to go. I don't care what it is. I'm going to make it happen. She said, I just want to go to Harry Potter world. That's it. That's it. And I was like, all right. And I don't like Harry Potter. It's not my amazing one. I don't, I don't like it. But I walked into the Simpsons land there. And I hadn't watched the Simpsons in 15 years, but I got it. I was like, oh, my God. This is, this is why she loves it so much. Because this is something I don't even like anymore. But she actively still reads, watches all that stuff. And it was amazing. And I went in there, and I ate a crusty Burger. And it was awesome. Was it? Oh, it was awesome. And then, like, my soda of choice is zero-calorie cherry cola, and that's the Buzz Cola they had. Oh. so And that was awesome. I was expecting something like that out of Los Poyos Hermanos. <laughs> I was expecting, like, the most delicious. I, I expected to see Gus Fring back there. I was about there, to say, where's like, Gus again? Just ready. <laughs> I, I wanted those two brothers, that, that, that they, the twin brothers, yes. they had to bring it to me. And, and, like, if anybody got in my way, they, like, shoulder them out of the way. <laughs> No, it was it wasn't good. It wasn't as good as the crusty burger and the buzz cola. Not not yeah, even close. Man. Let you down. I'm so glad your wife wanted to go. To- she did. <laughs> yeah, tell her we put her beer on me next time. So I had one. And I was like, this ain't for me. But I sat through one of those lines. One. I sat through one of those lines, and I was like, we're upgrading. We're getting that fast. Oh, you got you need you to get the fast pass. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll take you forever if you try to just stand yeah. in a normal line. No, yeah, smart, smart man. And your wife is. Again, a great taste. <laughs> um, let's end this with some fun stuff then. Okay. Yes, sir. So we're going to go wide world of pro wrestling. Best promotion right now. Booking-wise. Entertainment-wise. Booking-wise. Yeah. 
Okay, entertainment-wise, I'm probably going AEW. I think Impact has booked really, really good of late. I think they're they're doing really well. Um, yeah, I think that's probably what I'd go Yo, with. Yo, Sean, can we, like, Impact hasn't missed on a pay-per-view yeah. in a while. Like, their pay-per-views are, I wish they had a better TV deal. Yep, me too. The production on this last pay-per-view was actually no, pretty I'm good. I'm saying it's good, but it's like not enough people are even aware of how to watch it. I have no clue how to watch weekly. I just watched Moose and Sammy yeah. Callahan for the second time, and I was like... Oh, that was amazing. You can pay a buck, and you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, I talked yeah. to Sammy the other day, and I was like, oh, you're a madman. Well, you guys are in that, that yeah. league. They're in a league with Swerve and Madden. <laughs> okay. And they send me this... <laughs> look, I'm in the chat. I'm in the text chat, but I never respond to anything since I'm not in the league, and I don't want Swerve. Like, where aren't you playing? I'm not... I don't have time. <laughs> But I look at the stats and I saw like, what is it? Zach, Zach had 125,000 yards or something. Uh, some Zach Wilson has 10,000 yards passing <laughs> and, and 125 touchdowns. It's week 14. I will never play in that league. I was in a league, <laughs> or I'm still in a league with Shane Helms. And I won that league. And he's, he's the champion. It's, it's a tribute league to uh, Chris Canyon. So there's some UFC fighters in there. Uh, there's some comedians. And I got in there before anybody knew who I was just because they needed a guy. And I won this year's championship, and he still has not sent me that title belt. What? <laughs> he's like, and anytime anybody asks him, he's like, hey, have you seen my travel schedule? So he's got to, like, legit bring it to me at Nashville Ooh. for SummerSlam. <laughs> I want to get a picture of him, You're like, handing it, it to me. Yes. After all these months, I know he won't do it because he's sassy. He's, he's <laughs> Shane sassy. <laughs> also, Shane probably dumped me on my head, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's almost going to be the next season by the time that yeah, starts. Yeah, damn near, right? Yeah, a couple weeks away from preseason. Oh, man. So, all right. Right now, and it doesn't have to be the best, your favorite workers to watch, one male, one female. So, I mean, if this were eight, nine months ago, I'd have said Kenny Omega and Sasha Banks, but neither one of them are around. Are active yet. Um, <laughs> Bianca Belair. I think everything about her is star. Like, my yeah. God, man. Like, like what everybody used to say, if you could create a wrestler in a lab and they'd say Randy Orton, it's Bianca Belair. Just the way that she comes out, you you know that she's somebody. Yeah. Um, from a male perspective, Dax Harwood. That's who it is. It's Dax Harwood. Having one hell of a year. It's, it's incredible, man. And I know that he's been like, I can't believe I got over his baby face. And the way that I look at it, that passion always shines through. That man walked up in his gear and said, we want our release. And they said, here's the tag title. And he said, we want our release. They said, no, here's some more tag titles. We want our release. Here's 700, 800, 850 grand. No, we want out. We want better tag team wrestling. And as a result of him maintaining this, this steadfast passion in tag team wrestling, it has put him in a position to be in high-profile singles matches and show people what he can do as a result. And that's what good tag team wrestling was in the 80s, when you would have one of the Rock and Roll Express challenge Ric Flair, yep. or Road Warrior Hawk and Animal, yep. or bam, here's Scott Steiner, and we want to see him wrestle. Rick Steiner in there. When Booker T broke away from Stevie Ray, yep. Yep. it's because they were so impossibly over as a tag team that they did that. And these two guys ain't going to break up. And... Look at New Day. Yeah. Individually, all yeah. three of those are world title level yep. because they were steadfast in, we don't want to break up. We don't want to tease dissension. We love tag team pro wrestling, but we can also do this as a singles. Like that tag team wrestling is such an effective tool at getting people over. 
you have another person you can bounce your humor, your passion, your rage, your overness off of. And if right. one of you isn't over, maybe the other one is. And it you kind of pass the buck back and forth. Shout out to the acclaimed who is doing that amazingly well right <laughs> and now. Anthony Bowens was living in that shadow. And yeah. then anybody that saw that man work knew how good he was. Yep. I did a feature on him like four years ago. And I couldn't believe he get, didn't get signed. Oh, I actually uncovered why he didn't get signed. Do you all know about this? No. Oh. Do tell. So I had interviewed Anthony Bowens. And then I hit up a contact at the PC. And they're like, oh, WDBPR approved this. And I was like, no. Well, he's not in WDB. They're like, we're not signing him? I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, we're supposed to sign him. They forgot to sign him. Holy shit. And then by the time AEW signed him, and I had thrown his name Cody Rhodes way back in 2019. Mm-hmm. By the time that happened, WWE was interested again, which needless to say, that person that forgot to sign him is not there anymore. Oh, because yeah, well. that ain't something that they <laughs> they take lightly. Whoops. But like Max Caster, no pun intended, cast that shadow. Yeah. And we got another situation where a guy who was running around in a wheelchair got himself more over. Scissor me, daddy ass. It's amazing. The best he's he's such <laughs> he's such a complete performer too. He's oh, amazing. That, it, listen, going back to Dax real quick. Uh, it's not just a great year of pro wrestling, but I was talking to Renee and I was like, that that podcast. This this is like the man of the year in yes. pro wrestling. It's like it. Look, WWE does great work, but a lot of talent doesn't get to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And Dax's year as a tag team wrestler, as a human being, I don't know when's the last time we've seen something like this. The fact that he's a tag team wrestler in 2022 that could be in a conversation where there are so many great pro wrestlers as a pro wrestler of the year, as a singles guy, that's nuts. He's genuine. Man, when people see that, like sometimes, I mean, Dan Housen doesn't act like that all the time, obviously. <laughs> no. But it works for him. <laughs> yeah. But then there are people like Dax where you see how genuine he is and Again, it was expressed in the way that he handled his exit. They were willing to, here, take 10 grand worth of trademarks that we paid for. Just get us out of here so we can go somewhere where we can be happy. And um, I think him being genuine in his actions and the way that he portrays himself on screen, it it speaks to a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that can identify with him and be like, this is what hard work does. And this is what caring about what you do does. And I, I think he's been, he's my favorite performer to watch. And I mean, number two is probably, probably cash at this point. Cause I just love him. As, <laughs> I love him as a team and that dumbass theme hits. And I love it every time. Man, that, oh, that theme, theme is, is it's so incredible. <laughs> it's so eighties. <laughs> it's so eighties Saturday night main event. Neon sign. Oh my God. It's so good. I thought it was so bad the first time I heard it. And then like a week later, I'm just mopping the floor. <laughs> It's incredible. It's incredible. All right, what you got next? All right, next. This is always a hard question because there's like tons of caveats to this. So I'll try to make it as easy as possible. Five years from now, what young wrestler on the rosters currently who's the face of WWE, who is the face of AEW? Like that next person in the main event slot. Braun Breaker probably in WWE. Um over theory. Yeah. Yeah. I think Braun's got got a way to go on, like, the media aspect of things. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> listen. Listen. He, he is a wonderful guy, right? Yeah. He is. Yeah. 
But you're like the sixth thing. person I've heard say that. No, he's and a deer when, in headlights when, when it comes on. When I ran my interview, people were like, he does not like Sean Ross Sapp. And I'm like, man, I've done three interviews with him. He's been nothing but pleasant. It's yeah. just he's it's he's got to pick that up. Um, Spent life behind a helmet for a while. Like, you got to. Exactly. And, and yeah. spent a lot of time intentionally not letting people know what happened in the locker room yep. as well. Um, on the, the AEW side of things, mm, I look at, I think Hangman Page is still going to be around. He's still going to be an integral oh. part. MJF is probably going to be the main foil wherever he is. I was about to say for them? Yeah. Question mark? <laughs> I think to some degree, one of the two companies will have Sasha Banks. I think she's putting herself in a position where WWE, they love that rejection, right? They love it when somebody's like, I'm going home. Yeah. And well, what do they do when people go home? Well, they bring them in on a part-time basis and they put them over everybody. Mm-hmm. So I think Sasha Banks is going to be in a position, even though she's not like an up-and-coming star, She's going to be in one of those positions where she is coming in for the big WrestleMania matches and stuff like that. On the spot, like, I, I look at... It's kind of it's kind of hard to say because I don't know exactly know where ROH is going to go mm-hmm. from here. But I, I look at who they have now, and you've got a lot of top people who are ready to be there. I think Swerve. For for years, like in MLW, I was like, he's he's about to find that thing, yeah, that thing that just sets him yeah. apart. I think if he's even still around in five years, because I think he's going to get Hollywood opportunities. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. I think he's a big one. Um, that that that's like a tip top one. Ricky Starks too. Oh, Ricky Starks, oh, money. So, Ricky Starks is so unbelievably good, and we haven't even scratched the surface of how good he's going to be. Will Hobbs as well. Um, Will Hobbs is going to, I think he's going to find another gear. Like What he does now is really good, but he's going to find another gear, sort of like Swerve did, and he's going to find his own thing. And you're starting to see, like, with what he wears. Yeah. Like, yeah. People people give him attention for that. And the kids are, like, now mimicking yeah. this, and he's finding kids at shows who yeah. are like, I'm like, yo, this shit is catching on. He has a little, like, Harlem Heat vibes yeah. to him, like, where Booker T and you just notice, like, yes. okay, like, when he puts yeah. this together, it, it's going to work. They have big money match between him and Wardlow whenever it happens yeah. in like three, four years. Because just, and I understand that company is not built on aesthetics mm-hmm. and looks and its work rate and everything. But sometimes, like yeah. you don't got to beat it to death like Vince does. Like yeah. it's the only thing in pro wrestling. But sometimes it does work. Yeah. You know, like everyone wanted Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar when they could have done it. They didn't fucking do it. Like two big men bumping meat, shout to yes, Big E. Exactly. Yeah, it does. And when you get Hobbs and Wardlow in a couple of years when they're fully like fledged out as characters, they got big money. And that is a title match. I also look, and I mean, I hate to say Jade Cargill because she's a, a champion, oh, yeah. but she's like 35, 40 matches in. Yeah. When her deal's up, WWE's going to throw an insane amount of money at her. Yeah. Like if I were her, I, you got to wait until free agency because you've got like six or seven years based on the current roster of big money main event WrestleMania matches with her. Everything that she does. Like her ver- just, versus Bianca would be insane. Her and Bianca, her and but, Becky, her and Charlotte. But Khan has a lot of money. Too. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's true. I mean, Tony, his Tony but, doesn't have to let her hit free agency. If that's he the one you don't want to let go. Uh, it does, in your opinion, does uh, Montez Ford become a champion? Yeah. 
oh yeah, he's gotta he's gotta become a champion. Like he's he's ready. And I think Angelo doesn't get nearly enough credit for his improvements in the ring. Yes. Like he did that Tope Kongiro a couple weeks ago, and I was like, what? They go, How? <laughs> yeah, like, they get to show it in singles matches. Yeah, and like they've those singles matches they've had have been really good against the Usos. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like, I expect a lot out of this tag team match. But when you get those glimpses in singles matches, it's like, all right, cool. Like, let them wrestle more outside of just the Usos, right? Like, let them wrestle other talent. Yeah. Sometimes. Like, you don't have to wrestle the same people, same feud every damn week. I think Montez is such a slam dunk. And I think Angelo, I want to see what he does whenever that ends. Because I think there's a lot we haven't seen out of him. Like, there, they could add a really good, like, jealous edge to him. Because yes. he, even though he's good, he does live in Montez's shadow to some yep. degree. Yeah. So play off of that, but don't bury him as they split up either. Like, have oh, him, like heavy machinery? Exactly. And, and, <laughs> no, you gotta, and listen, gotta Tucker, Tucker was real good in the he ring. He was. He had that Elimination Chamber performance, and he was real good. Yep. And what have they, well, what are they doing now? Well, Otis is in a tag team. Yeah. Cool. You could have put Gable with both of them. Yeah. Gable could have led them. They could have been his heavies. They would have been great with that him. That tag team is good, too. Though. Yeah. Chad Gable. Motherfucker wrestle his ass off. I'll never forget <laughs> having a conversation with Daniel Bryan. Or Bryan, when he was Daniel Bryan in WWE. Yeah. He just could not stop talking about Chad Gable. Yeah. He was like, if there's somebody that they will miss the bus on, it's him. I watched, uh, I was at the Arnold Sports Festival and I covered a lot of the NXT stuff. They did like eight hours of stuff there, two straight days. And I, it was he and Simon Gosh chain wrestling, calling it in the ring for like four or five straight minutes. And it was so good. It was just so great. Um, man, I'll tell you one that they, they, un, they didn't have a choice but to miss on, Jason Jordan. Holy crap. I thought, yeah. I thought he got it to a very special level. There were people that were like, man, he's so annoying in this Seth Rollins angle. I'm like, good. He gets it. That's yeah. what he's supposed to be. If, if, you, if a lot of fans went and rewatched the Jason Jordan, Seth Rollins stuff now, realizing that, no, he's supposed to be that way, they would look back and they'd be like, man. And obviously, he's got a great mind because he's already senior producer at WWE. Right. Yeah. And I would, I would love to see him back. I, I wish. He's still young. He's still early 30s. Yeah, you don't know. Like, yeah. you know, never thought we'd see Edge. Edge. Yeah, you Edge. never thought we'd see Edge again. Yeah. Ryan Danielson. Like, we never thought we'd see all this stuff. Hopefully Paige, now that yeah, she's hope so. out of that deal. Paige. You know, it'd yeah. be great to see, you know, someone like that in AEW. Yeah. Paige is still division. so young. Oh, yeah. stupid. She's right. in her 20s. Right. Yeah, she's yeah. still in her 20s. I was about to say, she's not even 30 yet. Um, so, last one. And me and Andreas just had this on the show the other day. So you got to be the tiebreaker. Okay. okay. What's the most exciting WWE pay-per-view? It's Royal Rumble. It's Royal Rumble. Thank you. Uh, listen, I like it. <laughs> listen, you're asking a guy that did like two 10,000-word features on the Royal Rumble. <laughs> I, I interviewed like 40 people just about the Royal Rumble. I got pitched to do a book about it, but... Um, to me, there's this overwhelming sense of optimism associated with the Royal Rumble. Yes. It doesn't matter how terrible they have booked for months and months and months. And honestly, some of that carries into money in the bank as well. Yep. There's this optimism that, okay, even it, say it's bad. They, yeah. They've got a chance. They could fix it. Here, with the right winner, the right person, this could fix everything. 
the right person could be highlighted. You never know who's going to go in the diesel run in there right. and eliminate like 10 people <laughs> and then they'll never follow up on it. <laughs> you never know who's going to screw up and maybe like mess up in there. And to me, it's, it's Royal Rumble. What did you say? I said WrestleMania. And, that, and that's understandable, yeah. man. That's like, look, I love There's the Royal Rumble. Shitty WrestleMania. There's been some shitty Royal Rumble. There has been a lot of crappy Royal Rumble. Like, if you go on the list of Royal, like, you, 95. You know, Oh my Ooh, God! You know me. That was the year every, after Flair. Every major yeah. pay per view. What was Flair's? Flair was, was ninety one or ninety two. Ninety three. Three. No wait, right? three. three. No, it was ninety two. Ninety two. Okay. Yeah, ninety three was Yokozuna. Oh yes. Oh. So God, every like major pay per view, you know, I go on a marathon watching yeah. everything that happened before <laughs> it. That's the one thing. Like, okay, I'm gonna go on this quick rant about Peacock. I hate it. Oh, it's, oh, it's the worst. Because I love, like, the network, I would, like, oh, boom, I'm just going to fire this up. And then the matches would play in sequence. Your pay-per-views play in sequence. And I would do that. Peacock, you got ads and all this bullshit in between. But I still watch, like, every, when Royal Rumble comes, I watch every Royal Rumble. I just leave it running. I'll fall so asleep. Good. I'll wake up. And I'll be like, I'm oh, still on it. It's, it's like, on my, on my other screen. And I watch the Royal Rumble every year. I watch them all again. I was like, damn, those some, re- in the 90s and two, there were some really, really bad Royal Rumbles. WrestleMania, there's always something about the presentation that I'm just glued to. Like, even this WrestleMania, the Bills was sucked. Yeah. But you can't tell me that Sami Zayn match wasn't with the Jackass, but it was insanity. Yeah, that match was, that was I don't know if I've had more fun watching a wrestling match than that match. No it, business being that Sammy good. Sami can do whatever yeah. he wants and make it good. Johnny I, Knoxville, I hope he wins. Johnny Knoxville had no business having so much. Those two had. <laughs> it's amazing. They had a blast. And I, I'll say this before we, like, t- wrap this up. There's this, I don't know what kind of a war we got to find Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. But how they make shit that you look at and be like, that's never going to work. And it's gold every single <coughs> time. I think some of it is, one, they're so good. But two, they don't care who they piss off. As long as they make it good, <laughs> as long as they make it entertaining, that's what they care about. Oh, and they they do so well at it. That Ezekiel shit was never supposed to work. It shouldn't have worked. My man came off of what what, what feud did he just come off of? Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, turn off Raw, and I was like, he comes out with this, and I remember sitting there going, oh, it's over. Yeah. He's back to the, shuttered into the mid-card. But then, like, three weeks later, I'm like, this is wildly entertaining. Oh, this shit's gold. He's, and I don't know what it means for Ezekiel and Elias, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. after this... It could be over for that like whole experiment. But Kevin Owens looks amazing after this. Him and Sami Zayn, just the, the way they are able to make things entertaining every time. I want the best for them. I want them to go in the Hall of Fame together. I just want yeah. a solo feud. Like, give me a solo feud. Or another Steen Wolf ladder match. I, They've I never been it. tag champions. I want them to win tag it. champions. Mm-mm. Yeah, they need to do that. Yeah. Somebody's got to fix this. I'm with it. I want Let's... Kevin Owens to join the bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> and when Kevin Owens joined the New Day? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see what I asked Big E about that? No, what'd you ask him? Okay. So you remember what they named Kevin Owens? The Big O. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you were Big E Langston. Would that make him Big O Wangston? Oh, <laughs> and his response was, I wanted to like you. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the opportunity not making merch. Yeah, big, big old, old wasted. Yeah. And sending him a shirt. Just, yes. just send it to East. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Owens actually might have picked up on that too. That's, <laughs> that's pretty fucking funny. I, anytime I see them on screen together, I, I go and retweet that video clip. But, <laughs> but it made me happy because he tried not to laugh. Like he puckered his lips a little bit. And I was like, 
I almost got it. I almost got Big E. That would be like that. Like put the plaque on the wall for that. Uh, just I want to screenshot his his face and just put that on a plaque and be like, I almost got it. Yeah, man. No, I, I'm gonna have to text him about that. <laughs> I wonder if he even. I mean, he's got to remember it because I retweet it every <laughs> year. Once a year, you'd be surprised at how much stuff he actually remembers. Yeah. Like there's just little things that he remembers. It's weird. Pro wrestling memory is very weird. Yeah, yeah. And that guy's a whole different level of of just intelligent and weirdness all one, in one. One of the best dudes, period. Not in wrestling, period. in general. Yes. Yeah. Just a great guy. You, I have never heard anybody say anything bad about him. And in wrestling, that is rare. It is very rare. And I tell them <laughs> that all the time. Like, while he's been on the shelf, like, obviously, people are clamoring for him to come back. But, I, you know, the night that it happened, when he got hurt, and the message just kept flooding in, and I talked to him while he was at the hospital. And he was like, he had a joke. He was like, they like me. I was like, dude, <laughs> have you ever heard anybody say something bad about you? Even third party, it just doesn't happen. No. There's very few people that are like that in this business. And it's always get well-y, but, you know, he's, he's hanging out at home. By, no, by no the way, chillin'. love what you all do with our Heroes Rock. That is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Incredible that is uh, stuff. Yeah, people have been asking for updates. And, and I'll say, like I said, we're getting, we're pretty close. We're nice. pretty close. The, yeah, it is moving. We've been hard at work. And it, in a weird way, it, I don't want to say it helped that E got hurt, but he's been at home. So yes. there's been like a lot of stuff that we've been able to do. Because once that pandemic ended, it, I remember the day they were going back on the road and everything was happening again. Because me, e, me, E, and Johnny talk every day. We'd Zoom every day, two hours. Just talking ideas, talking about our families and shit like that. And then we're on the road and we're like, oh no, we got lives after yeah. this. <laughs> like, what do we do? But... Now he's at home and the finish line. Our Hills Rock, the first that pilot episode is coming soon. That's awesome. I love that you all do that. I mean, he he's always been just one of those guys that you can tell cares about other people. Yes. In general. And yeah, I mean, it's reflected in the concern that people had for him when that happened. Because, I mean, that sucks when it happens to anybody. I mean, yeah. you saw the reaction when Riddick Moss yeah. had that happen. And he yeah. was all right. He finished the match. But like Biggie had this outpouring of support from everybody because he's just a good dude, and it was scary. Carries you a long way. It, it was a scary thing because this is one of those situations where my friend is hurt, and I'm watching people commented on Twitter, and the people are like messaging me for medical updates. Sure. I was like, dude, come on. I was like, he's in the hospital, and that's all I can really tell you right now. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm scared for my friend, and y'all over here talking about when's he gonna be back in the ring. I, I admire the fact that like. Our friend Jesse the Buckeye just posts, hey, hope you're doing good. Hope your neck's okay. And he's just like, here I am. I'm good. Just so you know, just so everybody knows, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. He's chilling. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no. so, so when's he coming back? <laughs> We're breaking some news. When's he, when's he coming back? Sources. <laughs> yes. An- completely anonymous sources. Completely anonymous. They'll never know where this came from. No, we appreciate you for joining us. It's been one hell of a show. And congrats to all the success. Again, yes. we've been mentioning it, but well-deserved. Thank I, you. you. I appreciate you for having it. me on here. This has yeah. been awesome. No, I mean, I appreciate you coming through. Shout out to you. And right now, if you guys are listening to this, you can check it out. You have the Money in the Bank mm-hmm. post show. Yeah. Right here from Blue Wire Studios. I'm so stoked for that's legitimately the reason I made the trip. Like, I love doing WWE media, but when Denise is like, what do you think about doing a show at Blue Wire? 
And I had just spoken with producer Cole like a few weeks ago. Just spoke to him and it was a wonderful (laughs) conversation. I was like, oh, okay. I I know that man's not a serial killer. Like, maybe. Okay. I I have a tangible hunch that indicates that he is not. And I would love to do that. And we've never done like an in-person show before. So I was like super stoked about that more than anything. No, man. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for watching. As always, we've had a ton of amazing guests this week and only more to come. So shout out to Blue Wire for making this all happen. Producer Cole, baby, for always coming through. Brian, Antoine, everyone around here. You guys all stay safe. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out our YouTube page where you can see all of our beautiful faces as we chop it up in here. Stay safe. Enjoy the summer. So much more to come. So much more pro wrestling. And this is, again, just the beginning. For myself, the old man Andreas Hale, we're out. Peace.